5021 David, we got a fender down and two GSWs to the chest. I need you to meet us at Molly's. <laughs> For the most powerful podcast on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, I go by the name of Leroy Hawkins, and if you're not listening, you obviously ain't learning. Copy that. Sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, welcome to episode 167 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today we're going to cover this week's episodes 604, 904, and 804. You guys, we are so excited. There's so much to talk about. So much talk about i think this might be like a three-hour episode yeah we were trying to take bets on how long this is going to be and, and we don't know but you're going to be here a while so we're sorry we're not sorry <laughs> yeah sorry not sorry sorry not sorry i mean break it up into little pieces if you have to i don't know so uh there's so much news and there's so much that happened and and just ah, i'm so excited okay so we took last week off because of stuff that you will find out about in the coming weeks so we've got two weeks worth of news. Well, and really multiple weeks because we recorded the last episode you heard, 166, I mean, in 2020. So this yeah. is like four or five weeks worth of news, honestly. There's just, there's a lot. So again, sorry, not sorry, not sorry. Okay, so let's just dive right in because we're, we're going to be here a while, but we're so excited. Okay, so... Episode descriptions. Next week, Chicago Med 605. This is called When Your Heart Rules Your Head. Dr. Halstead finds continued success in his trial. Dr. Charles's daughter, Anna, receives life-changing news. And Noah finds himself in a situation not even April can fix. Noah. Now, having seen the promo for this episode, though, I'm really scared for this Noah situation. Uh, you know, I'm just happy he's back. I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, yes, but like, I'm also kind of scared. I mean, I would like to say that nothing can really top the time he got hit by a car, but this is one Chicago we're talking about. No, did you not see? I mean, like, it says something about like, is it? I don't remember the wording they used, but they used something about like the fact that this could be like a criminal whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just scared. Yeah, but I feel like you're not truly a member of Chicago Med until you've had some sort of criminal charges threatened at some point. I guess. I just, I, we just got him back. I don't want him to go away. I know. That's really more how I feel. I hear that. I hear that. Uh, the stuff about Anna, that sounds really interesting. In the promo photos, there's one of her sitting with Dr. Manning. So my first thought was, oh my God, what if she's pregnant? I don't know, but remember she's moving or supposed to be moving. So I feel like it's has something to do with that i don't know hmm i don't know don't know don't know um and the will stuff is just kind of rolling right along yeah i don't know if i'd use the word success but i guess we'll find out it's going yeah it's happening it's happening so brenda take us through fire okay fire 905 my lucky day when Firehouse 51 is called to the scene of a dangerous blaze inside a 10-story storage unit, Herman and Cruz find themselves trapped inside a freight elevator with all communications cut off. So this is their bottle episode. Yes. And I want to say this is the episode Joe's been teasing that 
they kind of filmed like a play. Have you heard him talk about that? He talked about it when we did trivia with him in December. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I want to say he was talking about this episode. Cool. So I'm really excited. I think it'll be fun. It will be good. Yeah. I wonder if there will be an Otis reference since they're going to be trapped in an elevator. Can we not? I mean, yes, but also, like, I just, I don't need to cry right now. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah. Well, meh. I got nothing. (laughs) You don't want to cry either. No, I don't want to cry either, but also, like, it happens. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't want to cry at Avengers Endgame, and then I, like, flooded the apartment with my tears. Yeah, but no, it sounds great. I'm really excited. Yeah, that'll be really good. So... PD-805, in your care. The team investigates a rash of carjackings and finds the truth and more, is more complicated than they realize. Burgess makes a discovery about a previous case that will change her life forever. Okay, so the promo gave it away that the female, and I use air quotes because Marina mentioned it would be a female that came between them, is Michaela. Sweet little baby Michaela. I'm so excited. I, I mean... I'm also kind of terrified, but I'm also really excited. Yeah, because the promo reveals that it's Michaela, and then you also see Ruzik talking to her, and he's just like, this could change what we have. And then the promo photos are a doozy in and of themselves. We've been dying over that Berzik pic in the promo photos for days now. Yeah, I just... And then if she comes back, like, is she coming back and staying back? Like, I feel like Michaela is not going to be around for forever. So something's going to happen. I just, I don't know. And I'm scared. Yeah. And I'm like, what are we going to do here? Are we, are we just kind of, are we, are we doing to Dawson? Like, are, are we doing everything we did to Dawson to Burgess? Yeah. A lot of people have pointed on the internet have pointed out, like, this is very kind of similar to Louie. Like the way everything with Louie went down. I just don't see Kim adopting a kid. I don't know. I, I I don't know. And that Berzik photo that we've been dying over for days, I mean, yes, it's fucking precious because they're cuddling and, like, it's fucking precious. But Kim looks really sad. Yeah. I Again, I don't know. I'm scared. That's literally, I'm just scared about all these episodes next week. I, I feel like that, that's how I feel ahead of most PD episodes is I'm just like, fuck, I'm really scared. I'm scared ahead of med. I'm scared ahead of fire. I'm scared ahead of PD. I'm just scared next week. Just, just, yeah. Don't you know. talk to me. Like, just don't talk to me next week. <laughs> I'm not going to be okay. <laughs> I'll just podcast to myself next week. Yeah. Well, Brina hides in the corner. Yeah. Next week, because we actually have episodes next week. I know. We're not even, yeah. As next far week. as we know, I'm going to knock on wood right now. Yeah, stop jinxing things. Oh, man. I know. I know. So... Uh, 6.06 for Med. So this is the week after next. Bryna, take us through Med. Med 6.06 is titled, Don't Want to Face This Now. And it reads, Dr. Choi helps the patient with chronic pain to find a solution. Dr. Halstead considers a new path. And Dr. Charles and Anna bond over a scary situation. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have much to say about that, but cool. I mean, it's hard to guess when you haven't seen 605 yet. Right, it is hard. I mean, I don't know what this new path for Dr. Halstead is, but I would assume it has something like maybe a medical sales type something if I'm going off of the trial and how that's going. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Maybe he's leaving the ED to become a weatherman. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's my new favorite joke that I'm probably going to abuse. Yeah, you'll never get over that. I know I won't. I won't. Um, <laughs> we'll get more into Will later because, you know, you know. Okay. Fire 906 is called Blow This Up Somehow. That's a great title. Okay, so... Gallo makes a split-second decision during a dangerous fire rescue, leaving Casey steaming that his direct orders were not obeyed. Okay. Uh, Kid feels a strain in her relationship with Severide. Brett and Mackie find themselves searching for answers following a series of suspicious calls. I just want to know how long this Stella and Severide tension is going to last, because I'm already over it. It's not, it's not good. I thought we were going to be closer. I thought next week, okay, based on how this week goes, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But, like, I kind of thought maybe next week could be the end of it, but apparently it's not. So, I don't know. They're going to beat that dead horse for all it's worth. Fucking Sephiroth. Oh, yeah. But also, like, they're past this. I mean, we'll get we'll get to it when we'll we talk about we'll fire. We'll <sighs> okay. Um, um, also, Gallo's going to disappoint his dad. So I know. <laughs> Yeah. I wonder if Matt's going to give him, like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. May- I, who knows? Well, Casey's steaming, so probably he's probably going to be like, yeah. Intentional pun or unintentional pun? Unintentional. <laughs> I don't know. But also, it's been a long time since we've had, well, we haven't really had a Gallo episode this season, and I'm excited for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Brian, to take us through PD. Okay, PD-806 is titled Equal Justice. Halstead and Ruzik try to infiltrate a crime ring and encounter a complicated situation. The team recruits an unlikely ally to help solve a murder. Okay. So Canaryville's finest are teaming up. (laughs) Canaryville's finest, yes. That is their buddy cop spinoff title right there. Canaryville's finest. And I don't know who this ally is, but it's got to maybe be that beat cop that's been teased for a really long time. Oh, yeah, maybe him. We haven't met him yet, which is surprising. No, we haven't met him yet. Um, I don't know who else it would be. Samantha, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Don't know. Don't know. So we got an article from Give Me My Remote. And this one is an interview with Andy and Diane, where they preview Will's new trial and tweaking their COVID storyline plans. Uh, Diane said, we're trying to stay as current as we can and not be a quasi alternate reality. We try to do a lot of reading and talk to doctors and try to anticipate what will be happening when we air. For instance, originally, we didn't have a vaccine story. And they touched on this in Wednesday's episode where uh, Ethan kind of mentioned it to Dr. Charles. I think they did a really good job of adapting pretty quickly. Yeah, and that's how what they were talking about, like, you know, how they were shooting episode five. So what we're going to watch next week um, and then decided that things were going to change, you know, and they have to be a little bit nimble because obviously our world is changing when it comes to COVID. So yeah. I think that's really interesting. They're doing a good job of adapting as things change pretty quickly. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So Brenda, take us through the next one. Okay. So we've got a couple of different mats inside lines. This one I think is from like two weeks ago, but we still haven't talked about it yet. So anyway, um, this question was from Sarah and it said, any big comings or goings you can hint at for Chicago fire. And I love this scoop so much. 
So it reads, while there are no current plans for any major characters to return, we might not have seen the last of Gallo's paramedic ex Violet. <gasps> it says, I would not put a full stop on that relationship yet, showrunner Derek Haas says. I mean, that's where it is. That's where it is at this point in time because he was a little crazy last year when he proposed to her out of nowhere. But I would not be surprised to see a reappearance of Violet this season. <gasps> Ooh. And I mean, I love Gallo and Mackie, and we'll talk about them from last night too. But like the triangle, the Violet Gallo Mackie triangle, I don't, I, I'm so here for that. Oh man, don't make me choose. I know. <laughs> I love all three of I, them. I know. But like the fact that Violet's not just like gone forever, I love it so much. Oh man, that's a, that's a tough choice. It really is though. I think at this stage of the game, I gotta vote Mackie, because they haven't, like, developed or anything. They've just flirted. Yeah, I mean, I think in the little bit we've seen, I think Mackie and Gallo have maybe gotten a little deeper than we ever saw with um, Gallo and Violet. But Gallo and Violet, I mean, had, like, sexy treadmill sex, so. It was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's a little hard to beat right now, too. But, like, oh, Mallow is also really great. They're so cute. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. So, we also got an article from TV Line that um, over on Chicago Med, Steven Weber is coming to recur. So, uh, Weber was recently in 13 Reasons Why on Netflix, and then he was on Indebted on NBC. Um, he will play Dr. Dean Archer, a wry, blunt, and talented physician who makes the move from a rural hospital to Chicago Med, uh, where he actually, he already knows Dr. Choi. So as a formal na former naval officer, that's a tongue twister, uh, Dr. Archer oversaw Ethan during active duty. But since Ethan is the new chief of the ED, Archer finds himself struggling being second in command. Uh, he will make his debut in early March. So towards the end of the season then. I guess. I mean, how long are these seasons? How many, ep you know, yes, we're getting three episodes in a row, but then we could be off for five more weeks. So who knows? <laughs> I can't take it anymore with the hiatus. I know. I'm glad we're getting three episodes in a row, but like, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But yes, I am. I am actually really excited about this. I will talk about it in a second again, but like, I like learning about Ethan's backstory. We don't do enough of it, frankly. No, I'm really excited about this. Also, I'm curious who Steven Weber was on 13 Reasons Why I'm Googling. I didn't watch, so I don't know. I don't work here. I watched, like, the first two or three seasons. Um, I didn't watch the last one, but, yeah, I don't recognize his face. Okay, well, whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, Brennan, take us through the next one, please. Okay. This is yet another article from TV Line, and it was an interview with Nicole Ari Parker, um, there were some things I thought were interesting in here. She was talking about how Voight needs to see the humanity in the people he's policing. Um, and she was saying that, you know, in order for to open a character like Voight's eyes, he's obviously got to see the humanity. Um, and for her character to be effective, she's got to realize that Voight is human too. Um, and it's kind of what we see in this episode a little bit. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. And she was talking about how it says, you know, with Atwater's situation far from over, um, the question remains, like, how will 
her character handle things if it reaches her level. And she said, you know, I think Atwater is one of the many things that she has to temper her personal feelings about with a letter of the law. She has to be unifying force and make sure that protect and serve is still the oath that everybody took. The invisible microaggressions that go on and the obvious aggressive behavior that goes on within the department. I think she really has to find her legal parameters as well her as well as her emotional parameters to make change. So I have a non-PD question that might be applicable here. But if we look at the rookie and what they're doing right now, where mm-hmm. um, Jackson West, he's he's an officer on the show. He, he's, he's a black police officer. He has a new training partner named Doug Stanton. Doug Stanton is a white male, played by Brandon Routh, and Stanton is problematic. He is a racist cop. He has made many questionable calls in the two or three episodes that he's been in that have been very blatant. Now, Jackson is very lucky that his sergeant, Sergeant Gray, is on his side. If Sergeant Gray is a white man and not a black man, does he get the same support? Does Jackson have, does he have Jackson's back the same way? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. It's hard to say just because he's not, and that's not the situation, and mm-hmm. it would obviously be a very different show. Um, I want to say yes just because of the show and the story they're trying to tell. I want to say yes, but I think it'd be more of like a Tim Bradford situation where Tim doesn't think he did, you know, Tim didn't really think he did that much wrong until he kind of figured it out and Lucy, like, set him straight. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it'd probably be more of a that situation where it's like he at first the sergeant wouldn't think maybe that he's done much wrong. And then it takes him a second to be like, oh, yeah, no, this is an issue. Yeah. And, and I just rewatched PD like right before we started recording. So like the, the, the feels are in my head. Um, but and, and we'll see when we discuss PD that, you know, it's just there's no there's no perfectly right way or perfectly wrong way to handle it. Every situation is completely different. Yeah. But I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. And in in that situation we're seeing on The Rookie, the reason change is happening is because personal feelings are being added into the mix. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Just interesting. I don't know. So, I don't know. Uh, We got another scoop from Matt's Inside Line. Uh, Mandy asks if there's anything to share on Manstead. Since their breakup, they've barely shared the screen together. Should we give up hope that this might change this season? And so the scoop there was that, you know, don't lose hope. Andy um, Andy Schneider said that there will be quite a few storylines where the exes intersect. And Andy also said, let's just say that Natalie's mom becomes a patient at the hospital. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. There's a, I don't know if it was in another article or what, but Nick teased it too. And Nick said it was kind of like, he used the word beautiful, air quotes. So, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. So the other scoop there, uh, Gabriella asked the question we all wanted to know. Thank you, Gabriella, for doing the Lord's work here. She said, where's April's brother Noah? What happened to him? Thank you for asking the questions that we want to know because we love Noah. Okay, so... Andy Schneider says he's currently doing a research rotation, but there's a story about there's a story that involves Noah in episode five, which is next week, that causes a big rift between April and Ethan. I mean, isn't there already a big rift between April and Ethan? I don't think there is all the time. I mean, they just kind of I I I mean, it's brother sister stuff, right? She says as an only child. April and Ethan, not April and Noah. Oh, oh, 
my dumbass. Yeah, there's always a rift between Ethan and Ethan. It's like the San Andreas fault between April and Ethan. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I was like, there's always been, like, okay, cool. That's like, same story, different day. That rift gets any bigger, and it's going to turn into, like, the Pacific Ocean between April and Ethan. Right, like, okay. Which, we need to talk about April and Ethan. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So, that's all the news we've got. Uh, as always, if you see anything, send it to us. You guys are really good about that. We do appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's us versus a whole big internet, so we do our best. So sometimes we miss stuff, but you guys are really good about that, and we appreciate it. So we have one patron shout-out, which is awesome. Um, Jennifer Stark is a very good friend of the podcast. She has been on a couple of times. Um, we talked to her quite a bit. So, Jennifer, thank you so much for your support. We love you. You are wonderful. Thank you. Um, if you are interested in becoming a patron and supporting the podcast for as little as $2 a month, please check out the link to our Patreon. It's pretty much on all of our socials. If you click the link that's listed, it'll pull up more links and then you just click on Patreon. And there's a lot of cool perks in there. You know, bonus episodes, merch. Facebook group, which has been popping recently. Pop in. Pop in. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I mean, we needed a place to yell about that Burzik pick. Yeah, the Facebook group was perfect for that. It was so. so perfect. It was so perfect. So shall we get into the episodes? Let's do it. We have been chomping at the bit. You guys don't even know how excited we are. Yeah, we haven't really. I mean, like, yeah, we were texting while it was airing, but like we haven't really like talked about it. Right. Right. Like we do sometimes. So, yeah. And sometimes we'll like, well, sometimes we'll let you know like about how long our outlines are. And usually they're like five, six pages. You guys, this outline for this episode, 16 pages. Yeah, and we're on episode, we're on page three right now. So, so. buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> All right, we are gonna start off with Crockett and Natalie, and I'm just gonna let Bryna run with it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we'll get there in a second. We'll get to the part because there's a lot of shit that went down before we get to what I actually want to talk about. And you loved every minute of it. I mean, yes, but also like. There's some shit that went down. Um, okay. So we come off of the last episode and that intimate moment on the roof where Natalie kisses Marcel's shoulder and that's where we left off. So this week picks up and they like run into each other coming out of a bay and they're like flirting and stuff. It's a little awkward, but that's just their MO at this point, so I don't even care. It's I, so awkward. No, I, I don't care, Gina. I loved every second. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Um, and then Maggie, of course, is watching on because Maggie knows all, sees all. And she and Natalie are talking, and she's like, what's that? And Natalie's like, it's nothing. And Maggie's like, that doesn't look like nothing. And Natalie admits that, you know, she's like, so hypothetically... Yeah. You know, if that was a thing, like, what would you think? I um, love how Maggie was like, Crockett? Really? She's like, is he your type? And Natalie's just like, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, also, when she was like, we're friends, that is, that's it. Listen, I know we took a one week break, but like, does she not even remember what she did on the roof two weeks ago? Apparently not. Friends don't do that. I have They're guy friends. friends. I don't no, do that with no. my guy friends. Gina, their friends. Air quotes, yeah. Their friends. They're, there's a difference. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So then we get into their patient, 
Um, their patient is a younger girl. <clears throat> she's 21, and she's had a bunch of stomach issues for months going on. And as it turns out, it's cancer. And of course, it's something that she put off because of COVID and having to take care of her parents and wanting to stay at home in quarantine. And, you know, she just kind of put off going to the doctor and, you know, it sucks. But Marcel and Natalie decide to talk to oncology, but Dr. Gillian is a buzzkill who would pretty much rather let the patient die. Yep. And they're like, because Natalie and Marcel's plan is like, yeah, we can resect uh, this part. You know, we can do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And Dr. Gillian's like, yeah, no. Yeah. And like, Marcel even says at one point, he's like, Dr. Gillian has her opinion. I have mine. It's just, that's, every male on Chicago Med ever is just like, well, I realize you're a specialist, but... But let me tell you why you're wrong, and let me do a whole PowerPoint about, like, why you're wrong. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's just... I mean, they even try to basically do this, this. So, like, they go to Goodwin to try to, like, plead their case. And, first of all, we never see them do that. To go to Goodwin first and ask for permission instead of forgiveness. I was shocked by that. I don't think that's ever happened in med history. If it has, it's very rare. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so like they're basically like, here, Goodwin, here's X, Y, and Z on why we should be able to do this surgery. <laughs> here's why Dr. Gillen, the oncologist whose specialty is cancer, is wrong. Yeah. And at one point, Goodwin's just like, yeah, you know, the world sucks. And, you know, no, <laughs> you can't do this. And Marcel even says, he's like, yeah, the world does kind of suck right now. I mean, they're not wrong, but... No. The whole situation just sucks. Yes, yes. But Crockett and Natalie definitely made things worse. Yeah, okay. We're getting there. Okay. So they go back down to the ED and Natalie's like, I should go tell Isabella, you know, what we figured out that we're not going to be able to do surgery. And Crockett's like, no, I'll handle this on my own. Cut to we find out that Crockett went total rogue took Isabella up to surgery not only did he take her up to surgery he decided to say it was something else that it was because he knew if he called it what it was he would get in fucking trouble <laughs> he said it was a central line insertion which is supposed to be like really simple and then he was like we had complications it's ex vivo I decided I had to do ex vivo what the fuck <laughs> that is some Connor Road shit okay he was like we can take out the first kidney and then resect it and then put it back in and use the second kidney. I'm like, that, that is some Connor Rhodes shit. It's like he took Connor Rhodes and Natalie Manning, the N Natalie part, Manning part of it being that Natalie just did it and didn't care, you know, wouldn't typically care what other people say. It's like he took both th things from both of them. It's just like, what? Yeah, yeah. My well, favorite I part, though, is that when he says he's like, cause Natalie's talking to him through the glass at first while he's like in surgery. And he's like, you know, Natalie, if we don't do this, Isabella dies. And she's like, I'll scrub in. I volunteer. And I'm like, okay. It's really funny to me how Crockett's like the devil on her shoulder. Like Will and Natalie always clash, but with Crockett, he's like, let's do bad things. And Natalie's like, okay, cool. Well, and sometimes I think Natalie is the devil on his shoulder, too. It really just depends on the situation. Because sometimes, you know, we've always said that, like, Crockett is, like, very straight-laced. Like, you know, he's very by the book and blah, blah, blah. And Natalie sometimes will be like, what? Like, 
no, that's not how we do things around here. But in this situation, it was the opposite. It really just depends on what situation we find them in. But the other thing we can't forget, too, is that Crockett was probably a little triggered here. Even though she's older, she's 21, she has cancer. I think anything that has to do with kid, kids or younger, you know, younger people and cancer is, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think especially, too, knowing that, I mean, it's out there that Crockett's ex-wife is going to come into the picture at some point this season. It is. Which I, it, yes, we've talked about that. I don't remember that. I thought we just, like, were hoping it would happen. I didn't know that we knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I don't think they've announced who's playing her, but it's definitely out there. Ooh. Anyway, which I am so excited for because just give me all the Crockett backstory. Um. But yeah, I just think it. I, I think it. Yeah, for sure, he's definitely feeling some kind of way about this, mm-hmm. and I think he always will. Yeah. But again, doesn't mean it was right to say that you were doing a central line insertion and then actually be doing next vivo. I feel just like that. lying in the medical field in general is just a bad idea. Well, lying in any professional field is just a bad idea. But yes, that too, especially in the medical field. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the surgery does go well. Isabella is fine. But of course, Dr. Gillen's like, I'm going to have you both fired. And we're just like, LOL. I, I started laughing at that line, which I wasn't supposed to, but she was like, I'm going to have you fired. I was like, <laughs> no, they're not. It's like, do you know where you work? Yeah, no, no, that's not going to happen. But honestly, though, my favorite part, my favorite part of this whole thing is when they go and they think they're both the also okay two things one the fact that natalie and crockett both actually legitimately thought they were gonna get fired come on now so yeah Nat- yeah come on now natalie you should know better that goodwin's not actually gonna fire you she's never gonna fire you um but then also when they go to talk to goodwin and goodwin's like what you did was terrible and you know you can't do that again but also like that said incredible job uh, yeah yeah that's that's exactly when we make fun of these types of scenes like that's exactly how it goes but that's like the most goodwin speech to ever have been given it is and i don't know if that's a good thing i know like she's she's so tough and like it's good to have her back and all of that good stuff but also she's just like uh, she just enables them to do crazy shit it's like, on the one hand, it's like, I know, like, I get it. This is television. They're not actually getting fired. Like, I get it. This is television. But also, at some point, I would like to see somebody punished. <laughs> yes. Really actually punished. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they need to be fired, because, again, it's TV. That's not going to happen. But, like, you can be punished. I. Anyway. Yeah. And then... We switch gears completely 180, and <laughs> we go from this scene where they're in Goodwin's office and, you know, trying not to get fired, and they don't get fired, and then we go to, I'm assuming, Natalie's room at the wherever. At Club Med? Staying. Yeah, Club Med. Mm-hmm. And she and Crockett are making out, and they go have sexy time. What better way to celebrate not getting fired than by having, thank God we're not fired, sex? Yeah, this is some, like, Dossie reaction to the stress of the day stuff. But I'm so here for it. Oh, my God. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of hot. I'm so here for it. Oh, my God. I think, honestly, one of my favorite 
like my favorite part about this whole thing, and I'm not really a big Natalie Manning fan until the whole Mansell stuff. Natalie looks so happy. Yes, yes. And that was just honestly refreshing to see. She was so flirty and fun the way she threw him on that bed. Like, she just had the biggest smile on her face. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I literally loved every single second of it. He brings out a different side of her, and I like it. I really like it. Yeah. I I mean, I've been on this ship from the very beginning, but, like, oh, man. And I didn't think we were getting it last night either. I was so thrown off. Yeah, I was surprised too. I thought it was going to, I thought like we would have probably had like a first kiss or something. I didn't think we were going to have sexy time. I thought we were going to be in like a slow burn situation, like a Pretzy 2.0 or something. It was pretty hot. It was really hot. It was pretty hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the amount of times I've watched the gifts that you've made today is like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I just I kept I, I was just making the gifts up last night and I was like God this is a good one this is a good one too man this is a good one like I was it's... yeah you told me you were like don't go to bed I'm gonna make you a man cell gift and I was like okay and then I'm going to bed and then I woke up and I had a whole gift set it was amazing <laughs> she looks so happy I mean let's be honest Dominic is real easy on the eyes yeah there's no hard yeah yeah yeah. It was good. And like you said, she's so happy and flirty. And this is like, a, she he brings out like a fun side of her that yeah. we okay. never saw with Manson. Here, yeah. Oh, a hundred. Yes, definitely. I feel like the issue with Manstead is Manstead, because when Manstead started out in the beginning, obviously Natalie's pregnant, was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And there was, it was just serious from the very beginning. Even their flirting felt serious and heavier. Yeah. Um, But that being said, I'm curious, where do you think we're going with this? I think what's going to happen is that Natalie and Crockett are going to evolve. They're going to move along. Things are going to be going great. And then her mom's going to be a patient at the hospital and Will's going to come back into play. Yeah. Yeah, I'm scared. Yeah. I just. Yeah. Here's my thing. I don't know. I'd have to see. I have to see more of Crockett and Natalie. I obviously clearly love them. That is not everyone knows I love me some Crockett and Natalie. Do I think they're endgame though? I don't know at this point. Or do I even think they have the potential to be in game? I don't really know at this point. But I want them to be together for a while. Like I'm not even re anywhere near ready to go back to me instead right now. Like nowhere near ready. The thing I'm starting to realize about Manstead is that I'm starting to realize that they may be better off without each other. Yes, I, yes. That just because, just because they love each other and they care about each other and all that doesn't mean that they're good partners. I think if we really want to go back to Manstead, we need to see them first just interact again. Because like, just because they're not together doesn't mean they can't interact. Mm -hmm. And we don't see them interact ever. Because they're both they're both in their own orbits and they're both doing great. Right. But I'm saying I think if you ever want to get back to me instead at all, which again, right now, I'm nowhere near that yet. Mm -hmm. But I think if you do, they need to be like friend like you need to see them have that like solid friendship foundation. Right. Which I mean it's it's kind of there, 
But it's just kind of not. They're like you said, it's always been very serious with them. They're always competing with each other. And remember when Pat died and Natalie was in like two scenes and she was just like, Are you okay? Okay, cool, bye. Yeah. I I which I'd never understood. Right. Um but yeah. Um but going back to Mansell, because that's really what I want to talk about. I just I'm really excited to see where they go. Like I'm just I'm really, really excited. It's it's really good. There's there's a lot of potential. And especially because Crockett's been through so much shit. I mean, we still don't even know, I feel like, the half of it. But Crockett's been through so much shit, and it feels like this is clearly the first time he's really opened up since all of that went down in New Orleans. Um, I just, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. And I need us to make some kind of Mansell merch so I can buy the hell out of it. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta think about it. Mansell, there's a lot of new merch I gotta think of. Like Mansell, I was thinking of Mallow last night. Um, Trudy had a great one-liner. Ma- oh my god, yes. I need that with the picture of Mouch on the elf body. I need that on a shirt. Got it. Um, but yes, I need some Mansell merch so I can personally buy the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can. So, uh, But yeah, literally, I love them. Like, I just... That made me so happy. Well, and you know what cracks me up? So I, I mean, I, my TV is streaming, right? As is most of ours, but my, I tend to, I tend to be a couple of seconds or even sometimes like a minute or two behind everybody. So in our group chat, when we're watching med, Jennifer, who we shouted out earlier, she texts Brina's name in all caps and nothing was happening. I was like, did she just get retweeted by somebody big? Like what just happened? Nothing was going on. 30 seconds later, I'm like, oh, there it is. It was so good. That's honestly one of my favorite things. The amount of texts and like Twitter DMs and like just tweets that I got of people being like is Bryna okay is Bryna okay I'm like I promise I'm okay but I love that so good it's that I'm so predictable but like I don't even care yeah it's, I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> um you guys were really vocal about this too which we love we love when you flood our inbox because there were just a lot of feelings just a mm-hmm. lot of feelings so Zach said holy fucking shit accurate Mm-hmm. The things they did to help Isabel, and then they had Goodwin read them the riot act, and then it boils over between them. Talk about not getting fired sex, indeed. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Love it. Um, Catherine said, I guess I have to say that I'm up to whatever makes Natalie and Manning happy. The tension between them at the beginning and how they supported each other through their craziness could not end up in any other way with them in bed. Besides the fact that they had to live practically together makes them inevitable and, like, the right thing for both of them for Crockett to grow and not be afraid to be in a relationship or at least be on something else besides one night stands. And for Nat could be something fun. Cause Crockett is not like any man she stated before. Um, besides, did you see Natalie's face when she entered the room? She was so happy and enjoying things, but honestly who wouldn't? And that made me incredibly happy too. The one thing here is that we don't know where Crockett stands. Is Crockett going to, is Crockett going to look at this as a one night stand or is he going to, he, I don't think he's going to want to pursue a relationship with her yet. I don't know, but especially after Natalie called him out for having one night stands in 603. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I'll be curious to see if they have some kind of like talk about that. Right, right. So Jessica said, the one part of Med that maybe fell apart for me was actually Mansell, both professionally and unfortunately romantically. Don't get me wrong. The dorky moment at the start when they ran into each other was adorable and I loved it. But, and I don't know if it's just me, them hooking up at the end kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. 
I was really enjoying the slow burn and thought they were doing a good job of gradually turning up the heat. And then, boom, they were falling into bed together. That's how most hookups happen in Rome, Chicago. Uh, like, I didn't hate it or anything. I just would have preferred if they'd have drawn it out a little longer. And something about it felt a bit off. They were almost too casual with each other in that scene. Like, they'd done it before. Mm. <laughs> uh, and I don't know from the vibe of the end scene of 603. I was expecting it to be a bit more tender or dramatic or something. I don't know. I was kind of okay with, like, the flirty, casual nature of it. Yeah, I do feel like, though, there is some sort of scene missing. Like, as much as I love the Mansell of it all, I, I love this whole thing. I do feel like, how do we go from them in Goodwin's, like, office to them hooking up? I mean, this is the same show that had Connor and Ava fighting in the locker room to them banging two seconds later. Right, but I just, I, maybe that's just the Mansell fan in me wanting, like, every single second. Like, I want to see who made the first move. Like, what, you know, like, I want to know all that. And we got, like, we were robbed of that yeah yeah so, I, don't know. I don't know i was okay with it i was totally okay with the casualness and I, uh, is that a word casualness uh i was totally okay with that and i was totally okay with the flirtiness of it and just they were having fun and like good for them yeah go be happy so um jessica went on to say crockett in general felt a little out of character in this episode i thought he was supposed to be a by the book doctor generally speaking maybe not to ethan's extent but i definitely remember him shading will in season five for doing will things i love how she capitalized will things <laughs> yeah, like trademark that. Trademark that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she said, I know I know his daughter died from cancer, so maybe he struggles to be objective in cancer cases. But if that's the case, I wish they'd explore that more because right now it just looks like Nat's troublemaking ways have rubbed off on him. Valid. Yeah, definitely yeah, valid. I get it. I totally get it. Um, Alyssa said, in all caps, holy shit, that ending scene. Did they just have a Dossie reaction or Dossie style reaction to the stress of the day. Um, and she also said, also, so much for Natalie calling him out on one night stands if this is that. I really hope it isn't, though. I love their weird flirting, and I ship this way too much. I love how much you guys are loving it. I, I Same, because I felt like I was alone last season, and I think I was, but here we are. <laughs> And so, I feel very validated. One of our other patrons, Casey, she said that last Mansell scene, though, I literally said to myself, OMG, Brian is going to freak out. Again, I love how much you guys know that I'm going to love it. <laughs> love it. Um, Samantha, who's been on the podcast before, said, as a huge Manstead shipper, it's hard for me to admit this, but I'm starting to warm up to Mansell. However, I still believe Manstead is in-game and won't accept any other outcome. I'm interested to see where things go with Mansell as long as Manstead is in-game. And then she went on to say, Natalie has referred many times to the fact that Crockett has a history of one-night stands. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't seen any evidence of him being in a committed long-term relationship, which begs the question, will Natalie be just another, another one of his one-night stands? We will see. We will see. I got to congratulate you, though, Bryna. You've gotten everybody over to the Mansell side. I'm just, that is my goal in life. (laughs) I will make it happen. So you guys are all on the ship. I'm like, maybe I'm in like the rowboat on my way to the ship. I'm like, wait for me. (laughs) Can I tell you about a funny thing, though? Okay, so a few days ago, Monday last week on my time hop, came up a tweet that I had sent to... Connor, who is the script supervisor, I think that's his title, over at Med. Um, and because he had said something, it was about like 
tweeting he was tweeting about the fact that like would we become like man or marcel stands and i literally told him in that tweet from a year ago that i was like i feel like it would take a lot for me to be like a full-fledged uh <laughs> marcel stan and then now here i am a year later so i literally said i guess a lot can change in a year because now a full-fledged marcel stan <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so here we go. Next year, who knows where I'll be. <laughs> All right. So moving on to Ethan, because believe it or not, Ethan and April didn't work together this week. I know. What? It's a miracle. Brooke Hashem. <laughs> okay. So we start off. Ethan is in Dr. Charles's office. He's having one of those chats where, and like, you know, he doesn't want to be there because like Ethan, right? So... He's telling Dr. Charles, he's like, COVID is a time for everyone to step up. And, you know, it's, it's time for everyone to bring their A game. And Dr. Charles reminds him, he's like, listen, not everybody feels that way. Like, that's great that that's how you feel. But not everybody feels that way. Some people, most days just getting through them are a victory in the pandemic. And we've seen this out of Ethan before where like something something happens and he just tries to charge ahead as his way to cope. Mm-hmm. So, so we've seen this out of him. Yeah. And so he says, you know, he, he says, I know I'm not going to please everyone, but that's not the mission. I was promoted to write the ship. Again, we've seen all of this out of him where he's just like, no, I'm full steam ahead. I'm throwing myself into work. Like, fuck feelings. We're just doing this. So over in the COVID wing, a patient codes, but Dr. Driscoll, who was treating the patient, Ethan won't let him do compressions. And so the guy dies like right in front of everybody's eyes. And so... Ethan's just like, no, like, you can't do compressions. Like, you've just got to let it be. So he dies. And Driscoll's just like, he's kind of upset about it. And Ethan just looks and very, very coldly says, We did everything we could. And that's kind of when we knew it was going to be a pretty rough hour for him. Yeah. yeah. Just, that That is an understatement of the century. Yeah, I was just, I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a tough one for him, isn't it? It's just not mm-hmm. going to be a good 60 minutes. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So he's being a real peach, let me tell you. Um, he tries to micromanage Maggie. Of all the people in the ED, Maggie? Really? I know. And it's over something so freaking stupid. He's like, I want these beds turned around in 10 minutes or less. And she's like, well, I can do it in probably 15. He's like, that's not good enough. 10. And I'm like, go away. Yeah, just literally that that simply go away. Boy, bye. Like, get out of here. Get out of here. Go away. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Later. Bye, bye, bye. Literally. Like the gif. (laughs) Bye, bye, bye. So he gets a patient who is a dermatologist who fainted while removing his own lipoma. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that all of us follow Dr. Pimple Popper and all of us know what a lipoma is. Yes. 100%. Okay. 100%. Yeah, because I yes. knew what it was. Yeah. I knew what it was, too. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, the, this time, just this one episode, the One Tree Hill references write themselves. Okay? Because this guy, the doctor, is played by Burgess Jenkins, who was Nathan's basketball coach for the Charleston Chiefs and the D-League. So he is a One Tree Hill alum. And I was like, he looks so freaking familiar. Same. Where do I know him from? Yeah, 
Yeah, and that that cracked me up because, I mean, obviously there's so much overlap between One Tree Hill and the One Chicago fandoms that Twitter was like, this guy looks so familiar. Who is he? Why do I recognize him? What's going on? And um, our friend Emily Longaretta over at Us Weekly, she's the one who tweeted like, hey, it's Burgess Jenkins. And then we all did the research and we're like, oh, it's Nathan's basketball coach. Yeah. Yeah. So the references right themselves. As soon as I met this guy, I was like, I already hate him. Yeah. He said like one sentence that I was like, and yeah, I'm done. Yeah. A lot of ego. Uh, yes. A lot of ego. Yeah. Yeah. So we go back to Doris and Maggie and Doris is trashing Ethan in Italian and it's so funny. Oh my God. Doris this week was on point. She was pretty good this week. And usually most weeks I'm like, Doris, like you're so mean. But I loved her this week. She was pretty on point. Yeah. So Ethan wants to put this guy on a psych hold because he's like, he did his own surgery. Like he's not worried about it. And now he wants me to do the surgery because he wants it perfect. Like I want to put him on a psych hold. And Dr. Charles is like, no, no, no. This is just body dysmorphia. There's no reason for a psych hold. And literally every single thing that Ethan is saying about this doctor is applicable to himself. All of it. Mm -hmm. Every single thing. So he's talking Ethan through the surgery and Ethan's getting so mad. He's like, he's like, okay, we'll do it this way and don't tuck on this and use these stitches. And Ethan's like, you second guessing me is not going to help matters. Which like, oddly enough, it's just kind of the same way that Ethan's micromanaging the ED. So, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I felt very Ethan in that moment. Like, I felt Ethan, I feel like recently somewhat in that moment. Like, sometimes, because I work with my dad, sometimes I feel like he's, like, looking over my shoulder and, like, telling me how to do things, even though I know how to do my job. And I'm like, can we not? <laughs> like, if you want to do it, you could just do it yourself. Like, ugh! I hate that. I hate that. That's that's like, always been one of my corporate America, like, pet peeves. People trying to tell me how to do my job. I'm like, I know how to do the job. I was hired to do. Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. So. so I felt for Ethan in that moment. So, and, and, and this whole thing, he's talking Ethan through the whole surgery. Like, it's, it's just, it's so weird. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's really weird. Mm -hmm. It's, and it's not even like surgery. It's like, uh, it's like trauma room surgery. Hmm. Whatever you want to call it. But yeah, but like, whatever. It's still just weird. We've all seen it on Dr. Pimple Popper's Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yep. And so Ethan lashes out at Dr. Charles and it's so bad. It's really bad. Oh my God. When he turns around and he's like, don't ever question my authority again. I was like, oh no, no, this is so awful. Stop it. I know. I know. At least he apologizes though. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't forgive everything that he said, but like, at least he apologizes. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, yeah, yeah, but I I feel kind of, like, weird about apologies, right? Like, yes, it's all you can do after some shit goes down, but also it doesn't erase the fact that you did what you did and you said what you said. No, for sure, for sure. I don't think it erases it, I think, but I think if he hadn't apologized, it would, you know. It would be even worse. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, But also, Ethan's just, go I mean, we're going to get to it in two seconds, but, like, Ethan's going through some real shit. He is, yes, but it doesn't excuse the fact that he lashed out at a colleague in front of other colleagues. 
No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that, like, Ethan's just really going through some shit and, like, struggling with how to handle this whole thing. Like, should he actually be the ED chief? Yeah, okay, and so and so that's interesting that you bring that up, right? Because he does apologize, and he just says it as plain as day. And, I mean, it's, I feel like I should have been able to put two and two together, but it didn't even dawn on me. It was the COVID patient that was weighing on him. Right, Ethan actually does have a heart. Which I didn't even put two and two together, did you? I think, I don't know if I necessarily put two and two together. I would have hoped that, like, it wasn't Ethan being, like, a completely heartless, soulless person. Um, but, yeah, I kind of hoped. I guess I didn't totally put it together, though. But it's hard to tell with Ethan. I know. And, like, that's kind of honestly why, like, as much as I do feel like people hated Ethan in this episode and, like, I was right there with them sometimes, or with them sometimes... I love this for Ethan, though. Like, I feel like this is kind of the rich, complex character stuff that I've been wanting to see from Ethan's character for a really long time. Yeah. Because otherwise, for the last few seasons, it's just been Ethan and April, Ethan and April, Ethan and April, Ethan and April. And, like, now that they're not together, it's like April's getting the stuff that she's going to be a badass at with all the COVID stuff. And Ethan's getting the, like, rich, complex, like... PTSD affected former Navy doctor character stuff that I've just wanted for so long. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Charles compares Dr. Lowry's situation and having control. It's very easy to look at body dysmorphic disorder as physical about the body, right? But it's actually a control issue, right? Not unlike feeling responsible for every patient's outcome or wanting to keep an ED functioning perfectly in the middle of a pandemic. Lives are at stake, Dr. Charles. I have to be effective what I do. But what if that's not always possible? Uh, and then it, it, it ends really beautifully. I mean, just it, it really does because Dr. Charles reminds Ethan of the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And? And the wisdom to know the difference. It's almost like Dr. Charles knew that we all needed to hear that right now. I know. I was re-listening to it in the clip that you sent me before we started recording. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I needed to hear that after the day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it ends. It just ended really, really nicely. And it, it, yeah. and by by Dr. Charles reminding him of that, it kind of recentered him because like you hear it in his voice. He's kind of calming down the more he says it. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It really was. It was nice. It was nice. So. You guys had some opinions. Um, Catherine said, I absolutely hated Ethan Choi in this episode. It's personal because my dad was in the OC or the OCU, ICU um, earlier this month because of COVID. And it kind of got me when they couldn't do CPR on that patient. And he died because of that. That was hard to watch. He's fine now. And that was the only reason I could watch Med this week. Also, I know Med has always done the psychiatric case. But now with the doctors doing some kind of therapy, I feel like they took the mental health awareness to a whole other level. And I just love it. Honestly, Ethan talking with Dr. Charles about his recent attitude was the thing that made me not hate him anymore. Guess I just need to see more of his vulnerable side. Catherine, we hope your dad is doing well. 
Yes, definitely. So, um, and it's I, I like that she brings about she brings up the mental health awareness. Um, today, Thursday, the day we're recording this, this is Bell Let's Talk Day. Are you familiar with mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I am. Yeah, so um, this Canadian company Bell, um, I think they're like a telephone company technology something something like that i don't know they do this every year where basically for every time you tweet with the hashtag or you make a call or send a text message if you're a bell customer they donate i think five cents to mental health services i think so um i really wish an american company would do this i really really wish they would because it's fantastic and it opens the discussion and mental health is something we should all be talking about 100 percent agree Yes, I will stand on that soapbox and and talk about that all the time, all the time. I will say, kind of going off of that, it is the one of the things that I really love that Med is doing this season is having all the characters check in with Dr. Charles. Mm -hmm. I think that's been really effective. Yeah. Um, And this week especially. I think this week was its strongest use so far of that um, arc, but I really have enjoyed that this season. Yeah, and I, I was finding I was finding Ethan being pretty abrasive in this episode, but then once he talked to Dr. Charles, it kind of broke it down a little more, and I was like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. It's good. Um, Jessica said, I found his storyline really compelling, and I really wanted to know what was driving him because he was coming across as very intense with this patient. Maybe besides Crockett, I think Ethan is the one who probably needs therapy the most because he's such a control freak, and his way of coping is to keep as tight, as tight a grip on it as possible but you can't keep a tight grip on a worldwide pandemic. And I know that had to be hard for him to adjust to. And his other way to stay in control is to bury his emotions, but those emotions have to come out eventually, which is what we got in that amazing last scene with Dr. Charles, where can I just say Brian T acted his butt off the hovering in the doorway after he apologized, the slow slide down the wall, shutting the door. It was all these details that were just chef's kiss. Perfection. Brian is a really good actor. He's so good. Yeah. And it's I love how all of his actions are always very understated. Like everything that he does that's so substantial. It's very just subtle. When everything Jessica just pointed out, I I noticed. Mm-hmm. Like the slow slide down the wall was just like, it was so good. Really good. Really, really good. So, yeah. Megan said, Choi isn't usually one of my favorite characters, but this episode was so powerful. He finally told his story about his time in the military and the emotion he showed throughout the episode was flawless. The writers did Choi well last night. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, again, I just, I loved Choi in this episode. I'm really excited for a good season of Choi stuff. Yep. Um, and then Rory said, my heart broke for Ethan when he was in Dr. Charles' office. The vulnerability he showed, it's not easy being a leader. Everyone has an opinion. Heavy is the crown who wear it. It is wearing him down. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, surprise, y'all. We actually talked to Brian last week. Yes, we did. We did. Um, and we asked him about what is to come. And here is what he had to say. So, uh Ethan has been really struggling in his new role as ED chief. So are we going to see his struggles continue? Or are we going to see him kind of find an even footing? What's ahead? Uh, I think a little bit of both. I, I think you're definitely going to see more struggles through Ethan. I think uh, there's going to be some changes up in the ED and they're going to bring in actually a new character to help him, which I feel will even cause more of uh, these speed bumps along the way as he's kind of transitioning to chief. So I feel like there would be a lot of ups and downs, we'll say, but hopefully Ethan will evolve and, and really kind of seek into his role towards the end of the season. That was the first time we ever talked to Brian. That was cool. 
I know. I I mean, yes, first time we've interviewed him. Yeah. I got to meet him. Oh, you met him. Yeah. I met him, but I didn't get to interview him at the last What Chicago Day. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. All I remember about that is that Nick said something about hair and Brian was like, bye. Yeah. No, Brian. (laughs) Brian was teaching me how to do CPR. So, yeah, I I, I hope we get to talk to him again because, yeah, he's really I want to talk to him again. So, yeah. So bad. We have so many questions for him. I didn't even. I'm just going to shut up now. (laughs) Save that. We've said too much. I've said too much. All right. So moving over to my favorite redhead, Will. <laughs> my favorite redhead. Um, I just have to share that last night in our group chat, Bryna officially dubbed me the biggest Will Halstead stand she knows. And it's not wrong. I'm not. No, it's not wrong. I just can't help it. I just want to protect him. Duh. I'm going to make you a shirt that says that. I, <laughs> Will Halstead's protector. Will Halstead's number one fan. I don't know. But actually, though. I, I just, I can't help it. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. Brenda, take it away. Okay. So, Will starts off, and we Will is, like, very by himself this week, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, he's in some office. Will has an office. Like, what? where is he? I don't know. Um, Does the outside placard say not chief resident? Yeah. I, even if that was the chief resident's office, that's really nice. Like Ethan would let him borrow it. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like that's too nice of an office to be for chief resident. I don't know. Don't know. Anyway. Um, so he's zooming with a trial candidate. Um, but the candidate is afraid to come into the ED. And Will's trying to convince him. He's like, you know, I'm there all day. Like, I've never felt safer. And it's just like. You work at, you work at Chicago Med, bro. Yeah. Where nobody's wearing masks, really, but. That's a different. Also, remember on your first day when a literal bomb went off in the middle of the ED? Yeah. That was also the day you tried to kill Severide? We've come so far. We have so come far. so far. <laughs> um, But yeah. Uh, but the patient's like not totally convinced, but it, eventually the patient's like, okay, fine. I'll come. Um, We're missing something very important here. Did they cut his hair? How dare they? It still looks great, though. It does still look great. Still looks good, but I guess. <sighs> Rude. Um, also, April all of a sudden comes in and hands him, like, a bunch of files. And Will's like, thanks, I need to go through these to, like, help fill my quota or whatever. And I'm like, what? Not crazy about the word quota here. And he's like, yeah, I'm really struggling, though, so I'm going to go to this other hospital or doctor's office, whatever it is, and see if basically if I can steal some of their patients. And April's like, I'll help you. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I've seen some talk on Twitter where people are like, they better not have Will and April hook up. I don't think this is that at all. I don't think they would go there. God, I hope not. I don't think they're planning to go there. I don't think so either. Don't forget that Will and, Will and April, they've worked pretty well together in the past. Like, we saw it in the backdoor, the backdoor med pilot. They're just, they're, they're, they work well as friends. Yeah, I, no, literally, until people, I, I saw the talk about that on Twitter, too. Literally never crossed my mind. No, no, these two are friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was nice to see them, like, talk and interact and 
like actually like work together. That, yeah. that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So Will goes and meets with this like Chicago Congress other doctor, whatever this is. Didn't he call it a Chicago Congress? Like he called it something weird. I don't know. Yeah, whatever this hospital doctor, whoever this guy is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Will's like, yeah, I think, you know, basically I'm going to take some of your patients. And the guy's like, okay, but for a price. Can I say it? Can I say it? Yeah. And now to Will for the weather. A kickback. It's a harsh word. I prefer we call it quid pro quo. We'll call it whatever you want. It's unethical. I can't do it. He's so cute when he tries to say that things are unethical. I know. And, but also like, Will, honey. Honey. That's cute. I do like that he sticks to his guns, though. He's like, it's illegal. I can't do it. That's our boy. But, like, also the pot calling the kettle black? He's never taken a kickback, has he? No, I'm not talking about that. But, like, Will does does illegal things every day. We're getting to a point now where I can't rip Will apart. I can't make myself do it anymore. Like, I've lost the ability. I will do it for you. It's fine. Will does illegal things all the time. <laughs> anyway, just, all so- of this has happened very organically, okay? Like, one day I just woke up and was like, I, I can't say anything bad about Will Halstead. What is happening to me? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but Will does say no. And he's, okay, fine. But then he goes back and he and April have this like debrief session and she's like trying to keep his spirits up. And yeah. He's all suited up and it's just nice. So they're having to talk. The trial patient that Will was talking with over Zoom like comes to the ED outside just in time to see like a COVID patient get unloaded in this like bubble thing. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm leaving. Bye. Can we talk about, though, how this guy got a parking space, like, right in front of the hospital? I don't know. That That's, A, not realistic, and B, not possible. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're in the ambulance this way. It, literally not a possible. Yeah. Um, and so, after that happens, Will's like, well, fuck. <laughs> and so, he goes back to this doctor to find common ground. Air quotes. Will, come right. on now. Yeah, and April's like, I, April's like, I'm sorry you had to give up something in return. William, what did you do? <sighs> Fucking, yeah. Fucking Will. But I'm sure he had good reason for it. Okay. <laughs> Gina's, like, defense of Will Hall said when he's clearly doing things that are wrong is, like, really going to get over old. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know either. I have more to say, but I can't say it. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. Anyway. But yeah, that's Will in April. That is Will. So last up, we've got Maggie. What are we doing? Where are we going? Because if we mess with Augie, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to cut someone. Like, mm-hmm. seriously. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 So Ben FaceTimes, Augie has a fever. And she's like, Natalie's going to have to look at him. And Ben just goes, are we there? And she goes, I hope not. Are we where? Are we where? Where are we? I I mean, I know. I mean, it figured out. But like, yeah. 
This is like in last week's WandaVision when the guy was like... No, 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 Have you I not still... watched it? No. No spoilers for last week. I haven't seen it yet. Frina! I ran out of time. I'm going to watch both of them tomorrow. What do you just have our group chat muted? No, I haven't read it. I mean, I read it, but like I just scrolled through that part. Frina! I can't believe you're behind. It's so good. No, but I just didn't have time. Damn it. Okay, well, there goes the WandaVision reference I was about to make. No spoilers. Killing me, kid. Yeah, no, 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 no spoilers. All right, fine. We're even now. I'm, I I annoyed her because I made Will Halstead references, and now she's like, no, WandaVision! Next week. Next week, you can make a WandaVision reference. I still love you, friend. You love me 3,000? Mm. <laughs> Why you gotta go there? I almost made you spit out your wine. You did. Why you gotta go there? Because <laughs> it was too good. She's trying to make me cry on the pod, y'all. <sighs> Unrelated, but I saw this TikTok the other day on Marvel TikTok, because that's where I've been spending a lot of time lately, where somebody was like, literally anybody else but Tony could have snapped and been totally fine. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh my God, that's totally right. And now I'm like crying over Endgame all over again. As you do, I feel like, every week now. Every so week. I have Marvel feelings. Every single week. Mm-hmm. It's bad. It's bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. <sighs> anyway, Maggie. So, Natalie checks Augie out, and he's in liver failure. What are we doing to this poor kid? Let's leave him alone, because he's sweet little Augie. Can we not touch him? And especially on his first appearance of the season. Like, come on now. This was Ben and... Augie's first appearance of the season and like we're already doing them dirty I just can't yeah yeah so it is time for him to go on the transplant list and Maggie and Goodwin have lunch but Goodwin's being kind of cagey and she's being very like administrator um Augie's probably really low on the list because he's not critical and Maggie just kind of thinks about it out loud and she realizes she like he's he may not get a liver like it may never happen for him which, like, they they are not about to take this sweet boy from them. No way. She just found her happiness. She got over cancer, as did Ben. They have found happiness. They have Augie. We are not about to do this to them. I know. I, if Augie, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even nope. going there. I just, I'm not even putting that out in the universe. I'm nope. not doing it. Mm-hmm. Nope. I'm not doing it. Nope. Uh, but I do love how it ended with the fact that, like, Maggie's gonna try to use Ancestry.com or like whatever the med version of Ancestry.com is after she got the idea from Doris to like track down Augie's relatives. Mm -hmm. Um, I, that I hope that doesn't set them up for even more heartbreak. Yeah, same, same. I won't lie though. When when Goodwin was like, yeah, he probably won't go on. He'll be low on the list because he's not critical. And Maggie was like, he has to get sicker. I was like, oh god, don't tell me we're going into a gray situation. I don't even want to go there. Cue the snow patrol. <sighs> and yeah, we simulated <laughs> one snow patrol reference. Yeah. Oh man, just, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm a little nervous about that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Any other notes on Med? No, but another good solid episode. I just. Yeah. Good solid episode. So. Moving into fire. All right. We're going to start off with Stellaride because we're going to get the screaming out of the way right off the bat. Stellaride and Bowden. And Bowden. Yeah. 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 A little bit of father-son time. That's not Casey and Gallo. Okay. 
So we start the episode with a Severide shower scene. You guys, like, we get Mansell sexy time, and then we get a Severide shower scene. Like, we are hashtag blessed. Oh, my God. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. But then he gets out of the shower and has to, like, talk and be evasive and shady, and then it kind of sucks. For real, though, that is the understatement of the century. Mm -hmm. So he volunteers to go with Bowdoin on Red X duty, which Red X duty is just kind of checking out all the condemned properties in Chicago. And they have some bonding time. Like, it's cute. And so Bowdoin is just like, yeah, your, your dad hated Red X duty. Like, he tried to get out of it any way he could. And Severide opens up about him. And he's like, yeah, it's been like two years since he died, which, again, crazy. I know. Wild. But also the on. fact that Severide's like opening up and talking about his feelings. What? Like, love to see that. He'll do it with Bowden, but he won't do it with his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Okay, so Kelly and Bowden, they go to this condemned building. They find a guy in there who refuses to leave. And this guy falls through the staircase, which this should not have made me laugh, but also, like, it was so on the nose. Like, he's coming down the stairs, and Bowden's like, the building's not safe. And he's, like, still talking, and then Bowden's like, no, but the building's really unsafe. It could come down. And the way they show that is by him going through the staircase. It was just very on the nose. Yeah, it was definitely predictable. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, so he falls through the staircase, and when the paramedics come to get him, all he keeps saying is his name is 24198. Now, the theater geek in me was like, okay, well, if he had said 24601, I would have known that he was making a Les Mis reference. <laughs> But we were a little bit off. Just a little bit. A little bit. So he had a hat on that he can't find it anymore. And he's looking at Bowden and he's like, you get it, right? Like 24198. But the minute he rattled off this number, I was like, it's a badge number. Like, Well, the only reason I didn't really think about it was a, it was a badge number. Because when, like, Jay and them, they all say they're like 5021 George. Mm-hmm. I wasn't I guess it's more called signs but like I just wasn't thinking about like badge number I don't know I don't know so he gets checked out and he's fine but he's got dementia so if nobody claims him he'll get he'll get admitted to the psych ward as John Doe and so Bowden spends all of lunch just trying to kind of figure out what those numbers mean and he just says he's like the way he looked at me it's like he knew I could help him and so even though Kelly's shift is over, he volunteers to go with Bowden back to the house because somebody is avoiding a problem that shouldn't even be a problem. I'm not mad. No, not at all. We are past this. Dang it. So Stella opens up to Brett over at Molly's and she's like, I still haven't heard from Kelly. And now I'm pissed as you should be. Mm-hmm. As you should be. So she says, she's like, it's not the drills I need help with. It's just knowing that he's got my back. I thought he got past this thing a long time ago. He, and he's disappearing and shutting me out. Which, I mean, anybody could tell you. Like, that's, she doesn't need you to, like, feed her answers. She just needs you to support her. Yeah. And that's the thing, the thing that makes me even matter is, like, this line, which, like, what she said. Like, it's not that I need help. Like, I can do that shit on my own. Because, again, she's still a kid. She's a freaking badass. Mm -hmm. But, like, we got over this a long time ago. I I don't... I, that's what's so disappointing. Like, yeah. We've already done this shit. Yeah, that's why I think this is kind of ridiculous, what we're doing. Is because they're... Like, if this... 
if this were an earlier season, like, yeah, okay, communication problems, whatever. They are past that, okay? We've had the whole, like, I'm going to be the man you deserve. We've had you got this Stella kid. We are way past this. The thing that really bugs me, too, is that at least when it was with Benny and that the season seven, like, shutting out, that was more of, like, a we'd never really gotten there. Like, I'm going to shut out because I'm going through all this stuff I don't really know how to deal with, whatever. And then Kelly said she's going to be... You know, he's going to be the man she deserves. It's still one of the best moments of all time. Mm-hmm. And then now we get this shit, which is so avoidable. And the thing is, too, is like, if he just talked to her, this would all be done. And how did he get some, he let some asshole lieutenant get in his head? Like of all the people you told the guy to retire because he was getting creaky and being sexist. And you're still listening to what he had to say. And the thing that is, too, is like he thinks he's doing her good like he thinks he's not trying to be malicious about it like he's doing it because he loves her and he thinks this is the right move for her and that's why it's i think even more frustrating than season seven yeah because we're past this again we're past this season five season six kelly yeah he absolutely would give her the cold shoulder and think that he's helping her but i would like to think that kelly has gotten smarter over the years but obviously he hasn't i thought he had too he He said he was going to be the man that Stella deserved, and this is not that. Right. So he reverts back to the Kelly who he was after his dad died. Mm Mm-hmm. The fuck? Yep. Not cool. Yeah. Yeah, so Bowden makes a comment about how, with all of this extra work, he might think that Severide's going after a promotion. So Kelly's like, no, I'll leave that to Kid. Which prompts Bowden to ask how lieutenant studies are going. And so Sev's like, no, I'm keeping out of it. Like, but he won't look Bowden in the eye as he says it. Like, because of course he can't, because he knows he's wrong. I, yeah, it makes me want to scream. Like, you know you're not helping her. Why are you doing it? <sighs> I love that Bowden's trying to get it out of him, but like, fucking Sev, I, mm. Like, when this erupts into the big fight that it's going to erupt into, it's not going to be pretty. No. And the thing is, too, is none of us are going to take Severide's side. We're not. Stella is just going to rip into him, and every single thing she says is going to be completely accurate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nope. It's not going to be And I'm honestly, honestly, I'm kind of ready for it. Yeah. I mean, it hurts my Stellarite heart because this is supposed to be they're supposed to be happy and like on the way to getting engaged and yada 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 we're not supposed to be dealing with this shit but now that we are i am so ready to see stella like lace into him yeah i i mean but this is the kind of shit like what kind of damage do you think this is gonna do do you think stella's gonna be like oh hell no if you're regressing peace out well and she's dealt with this shit before Mm -hmm. she literally dealt with grant i mean in, in very different ways obviously but she already has dealt with a husband who his problem was addiction and you know getting drunk and being an asshole and so but he would do it over and over and over again and say he was going to change and never changed Mm -hmm. and now we're doing this with Severide and obviously Severide is not abusive or drunk or anything like that but Severide says yeah I'm going to be the man you deserve I'm going to be I'm going to let you in I promise and he did for a while and now he's not she literally broke up with him the last time he did this right right so yeah. It's bad. I don't like it at all. Mm-mm. Neither. No. no. 
So Platt comes by and she gives Bowden and Severide the guy's file. His name is Lieutenant Henry Sidwell. He retired in 95 um, and he's being discharged from med that afternoon and his wife is taking him home. So Stella asks Severide what's going on. He's still avoiding her. And not only is he still avoiding her, he's like a total asshole in this scene. Oh, yeah. This is like season one, two, three, four, Kelly. What is going on? I'm heading to med. That's not what I mean. You haven't talked to me in days. You're not at the apartment or on shift. You keep bailing on helping me study. You don't need my help. Girl, what are you doing? I know. Just, I can't. I can't. That's so rude. Like, you don't need my help? Right. She doesn't need your help. She wants your help. Well, she doesn't want his help. She wants his support. Yeah. It's the same way she doesn't need you. She just loves you and, you know. For some reason. Damn. What is he doing? What is he doing? He thinks he's doing the right thing and it just. Like right when you think he's done being a dumbass. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. It's really frustrating. Yeah. So after Bowden talks to the guy's wife, she tells him she tells him that the home that they found him in was the first home. It was their very first house. And she says, you know, when I go to put fresh sheets on the bed and then I come back, you know, he's gone. And Bowden offers to help anytime, day or night. Reminds him of his father. I totally forgot that Bowden's dad was a cop. Yeah. Forgot about that. So Bowden and Severide have beers at Molly's. Bowden gives him some advice. I've been married a while now. Long enough to know when someone is... Avoiding trouble at home. I've also been married enough times to know that it doesn't work. Whatever it is, it just, it just grows. Yeah? Yeah. So what do you do? Start by going home. So while that's going on, Stella and Brett are having a girls' night at Sylvie's. And so Sev goes home to find Stella. And guess who's not there? Because you suck, Kelly. That's why. Yeah, and I don't think she's coming back anytime soon. No. Because she's not putting up with this shit again. No, not at all. She could not have made her feelings any clearer the last time that this happened. And you're still going to fuck around. Yeah. I I mean, I because this is television, I know that it probably is not going to obviously be the end of Severide and Stella forever. But, like, Severide better watch out. For real. Like, I, if I was Stella, yeah, I put up with it once and I came back to him. But, like, I don't know if I'd put up, you know. I don't yeah. know if I'd come back again. Yeah, if, if I'm Stella, I mean, and, and, and you know Stella is very, Stella is very assertive. And she, she knows how to use her voice and stuff. If I'm Stella, I don't put up with this a second time. I tell him, like, Mm-mm. fix it or I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So it ends up with Bowden getting called back over to the old condemned house and he finds the lieutenant walking over and Bowden just kind of opens up about his dad. It's sweet. He says, you know, those memories, they're all I have left. And he agrees to go back to his wife and he gives Bowden his hat. So it's nice. Mm-hmm. The, the, the father-son bonding that is not Casey and Gala was pretty nice. I love seeing Bowden and Severide together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hated it because Severide was being an asshole. But, like, I love seeing them bond. And I love that it was, like, Bowden who told Severide to, like, basically, like, pull his head out of his ass. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. 
It reminds me of the scene after Benny died where Bowden came in to talk to him. And once Bowden started talking to Severide, like the tears just flowed because Kelly was just, he felt safe enough to talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So um, we got a lot of responses from you guys about this one because we were all in agreement that Severide's being an idiot. So um, Zach said, Severide needs to get his head out of his ass. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. He went from fulfilling the promise he made in the season seven finale only to completely leave Stella hanging when she needs him the most. Seriously, how could he let that jackass sexist chief from the previous episode get to him like that? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jessica said, I always enjoy Bowden-centric storylines, but this one felt a little out of place or maybe just got lost among all the other storylines. I think I would have preferred it being the A storyline in another episode. I did enjoy Bowden at least trying to figure out what's wrong with Severide. And at this point, since both Severide and Casey are acting like idiots, I'm hoping Bowden will knock some sense back into both of them. Fair. Mm -hmm. Very fair. Samantha says, Severide is acting a lot like earlier season Severide lately, and I don't like it. Either he can't tell that him distancing himself from Stella and not letting her in is killing her, or he just doesn't care, which either way is not a good look. Stella's one of the best things to ever happen to Severide, and if he isn't careful, he's going to lose her. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Can he not tell, or does he just not care? No, I think, I definitely don't think he doesn't care, because if he didn't care, he wouldn't be doing this. Because he cares so much, and that's the reason why he's even doing this in the first place. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's frustrating. But I think he cares. I, I think he cares. He's just such a dumbass. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Moving on to Bretzy. Bretzy, Bretzy, Bretzy. Bryna, take it away. Okay. So, things between Brett and Casey are still really hella awkward. Like, really, really hella awkward. Like, they have this, like, meeting at the coffee pot, and she calls him captain, and I'm just like, why? That's awkward. That's awkward. Um, Anyway. So, 61 and 81 get called to this car crash where a digital billboard has fallen on a car. (laughs) And there's just, like some sort of weird irony about this digital billboard being for gentlemen's club because like you know season three matt casey doing the construction you know you know stilettos yeah stilettos Katya, the really awkward russian stripper tbt oh, we really you. need to cover one of those episodes though we, we need to cover done. yeah we need to cover that episode when he's like talking to katya and he's just like hey i like the leg thing yeah so Matt meets Sydney, who's the car crash victim, who makes a bad joke about being a stripper and calls herself Vanilla Thunder, and it's just really weird. It's it's really weird. It's weird. Anyway, she's fine though. She's fine. Um. So at the very end of the accident, Engine Forty shows up, who we've never met before. Never met Engine Forty before. <laughs> and during Mouch and Rutledge's spat, which we'll get to in a hot second. Uh, Brett makes a comment to the lieutenant for Engine 40. His name is Lieutenant Granger about how he's like, he should tell her how it ends. Like, you know, keep me updated. And he's like, okay, I will. He's he's not bad looking. I, at first I was like, well, he looks like a douchebag. And then we got a better look and I was like, oh, hi. If he wasn't coming in between Ket, uh, Casey and Brett, I would be here for him i have a hunch that he's been in a couple hallmark movies and i'm just gonna google real fast to find out if that's true keep going um 
Jennifer said he looks like Ryan Guzman a little bit, and like now I can't unsee it. Ooh. I can't unsee it. But yes, point being, he's very easy on the eyes. Mm. Very easy on the eyes. Okay. So then we see Stella running drills with Brett and Sydney, again, crash car victim, uh, car crash victim, stops by the firehouse and she's looking for Matt. So Brett's like, he's inside. So Sydney goes and talks to Matt and she makes 10 million more terrible jokes about her mom and being dead. And then she's like, just kidding. My mom's not actually dead. And I was just like, this is so bad. Um, I have a question here. She's coming into a firehouse where she's an outsider, right? Where the fuck is her mask? I've said that a million. Yep. Yeah. 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 Where is everyone's masks? Where is your mask? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yes, I thought the same thing. I get that, like, we're trying to live a life outside of the pandemic, but also, like, wear a fucking mask. Well, the thing that bugs me about it is, like, they'll wear masks on the calls, right? Yeah. They wear their masks on the calls, but not in the scenes. Like, I understand if for television purposes, the masks get in the way. Okay, fine. But then make that creative decision and stand by it in every scene. Right. Like, pick one way or the other. I'm not mad either way, but, like, this kind of in the middle, yeah, we're wearing masks sometimes, but, yeah, other times we're not, is, like, not the way to go either. Yeah, and the, the, they're wearing them on calls. That's great. But also, like, it, it's almost kind of half-assed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway. And so then Sydney's like, here, here's my card. I want to take you on a date. If you're not seeing someone, we can hang out and, you know, socially distance and blah, blah, blah. And when she said, if you're not seeing someone, like, Casey and Brett share this, like, longing look. And I was just like... Come on, you two. Just... It made me so mad. And then, of course, Casey's like, well, I'm not. And I'm like, but you could have been. But I just. Okay, I found the guy who plays Granger. No Hallmark movies. He was. Okay, so he was on Queen of the South. He had a pretty big role there. He was on 21 episodes. He was in Narcos. Okay, he was the lion on Narcos. I watched that show. It was good. Gossip Girl Acapulco. What is that? Mm-hmm. And then I think he was in like a some telenovelas. Hmm. El Equipo. Isn't Equipo Spanish for team? I don't know. Ooh, a Spanish police drama. <laughs> That's my jam. Ooh, and it's a Spanish I- show. It's a Spanish show. Oh, my God. Like it's out of Spain. Oh, my God. Okay. Going back to Brett and Casey. So after Sydney leaves, well, basically Casey just takes her card and, you know, that's that. But after she leaves, Casey tells Gallo and Match that, like, yeah, she might seem like fun, but I'm not looking for anything right now. And then, like, stares at Brett, uh, stares at Brett again as he says it. And I'm just like, these two and, like, the eyes they were making at each other this week, I just, I can't. They weren't really hard eyes. They were just kind of, like, longing glances. Right, no, I'm not saying they're hard eyes, but, like, longing glances that are like, yeah, I know, I'm in love with you too, but we can't be together because, you know, we're both Mm -hmm. idiots and we just keep circling each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so then 51, no, 81 is over at 40 because 
things we'll get to in a second. Because donuts. Because donuts. <laughs> and Lieutenant Granger goes over to Casey and is like, yeah, so is Brett single? And he's like, how does she feel about firefighters? I know some women in the dating don't like dating inside the CFD. And Casey's like, she's not dating anyone. And I'm like, again. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. I Based don't like bomb. it. Yeah. So then we're at Molly's and Brett and sees Lieutenant Granger and he like abandons his friends to hang out with her. And then Casey's in Molly's and asks for beer, asks Stella for beer, notices Brett flirting with Granger and then decides to try Stella's new like whiskey cocktail because he needs something stronger because he like can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Which I loved. I love seeing that he, I, I, I like jealous Casey like is sulking in the corner. I don't know why. It was an interesting moment. It, it reminded me of after the Dossie wedding when Severide finds himself alone and he's just like, man, that sucks. Yeah. But then after the next shift, Casey has this like contemplative moment to himself when he's at Molly's, he's like pulls Sydney's business card out of his pocket and like doesn't do anything with it that we know of. Hmm. He just kind of like stares at it and yeah. So, yeah, that's that. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, Alyssa said, did they seriously just introduce two love interests, one for each half of Bretzy in one call? They did that. They did mm-hmm. that. That's unfortunately. Gotta be, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. That's got to be some kind of record. Got to admit, the lieutenant is really dreamy, and I'd probably ship it if it, ship it if it wasn't for the fact that Bretzy still clearly have feelings for each other. But I can't really see Casey with Sydney. It just feels weird to me for some reason. I'm, I'm, I agree. Yeah, because Sydney's over there making all these horrible jokes. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I didn't even, when she was like, I work at the gentleman's club. I didn't even, like, I took that seriously at first. I was like, okay. Like, so she works there. Cool. Moving on. And then I was like, oh, okay. She was making a bad joke. Okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. But anyway, so not only did we talk to Brian last week, we talked to Kara and Jesse too. We so. did. Yeah, kind of going off of that though, like you said in the last episode, Casey said he's going to give Brett space, but like, is he actually going to follow through on that? Are we going to see him fight for her? And Kara, I'm curious, like, does Brett see Casey pulling away as like proving her right read the whole Gabby situation? I mean, he does give us space. Um, it's complicated. <laughs> now, why is it complicated for me? It's complicated for me as a person too. Um, yes, he is going to give us space. Um, a gentleman. Yeah, a gentlemanly space. Uh, he he wants it to be. You know, it was going it was going so well. That's the thing that's so frustrating frustrating about it. They had such a good like organic. Uh, lead up to it you know just as friends and um and connecting to each other as friends and um being uh, generous with each other as friends should be and so that uh, that's what makes it all the more frustrating and i think there's some residual feelings that will some rogue uh, roadblocks that'll be you know that, are, that are, they're gonna get over them they're gonna move past them they're just sort of natural things that humans go through you know it's just it's just funny for the audience to watch these two 
people sort of like, you know, struggle with, you know, each other as, as human beings with normal hum, human feelings and emotions and regrets and, you know, all, all the good stuff that makes us perfectly, you know, impaired. Um, so that's, it's, it's just fun to play, you know, cause we're, you know, you're always questioning whether you're in the right mind space as the character and, um, and, you know, and the awkwardness too of, you know, with someone new, that's also good to play too. Cause we, you know, we don't know each other like that. So it's, it's funny to step into those, um, in, into those shoes. Um, and, and, and that's, what's, that's, what's fun about being an actor. You know, that's what, that's what makes it fun to play. Yeah, to your to your uh, to your question, I do think that giving space does send the message that, like, yes, I was right. I uh, <laughs> and I, mean, I need the space so that I can try and get over this. Uh, but yeah, I was right. I'm a fool. That was I shouldn't have. I, I probably shouldn't have crossed that line. Um, but uh, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think there's enough space in Chicago her to take to probably overcome some of her you know her feelings for him and um but I do think you know I think we'll have some new characters come in that are that create some more you know as if there could be more but there are more roadblocks between them if you can even imagine um and so it's just going to be a, a matter of you know buckle up you get get ready for some angst but yeah so we will see what happens with Bretzy. We will see. We will see. So the uh, last bit we have for fire is... No, we've got two sections. We've got two sections left for fire. Just rerun that. I was kidding. Okay, so next up is the B story with Mouch, which is probably one of the best B stories we've had in a long time. I was going to say, if we hadn't already done our top 10 comedic storylines this would I, I may have to redo my list because this is like high so up there oh my god i scrolled to the last section and i forgot gallo and gianna i'm terrible yeah no we're at mouch and we're at mouch but yes that's why i said two oh, more seconds man i suck man i almost skipped over them that's bad but back to mouch i literally was laughing so hard i even i was rewatching it again this morning to like do the outline and i was like actually like laughing out loud it was so perfectly executed. I loved how, like, the initial confrontation seemed pretty hostile. And then it was literally over a chair. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, only in Chicago Fire and only with Malch. But yes, it's amazing. So good. It was so good. So, so good. So, yeah, there's a lot of tension between them. You know, they have this, like, sort of heated exchange. When they get back to 51, Malch explains his history with Rutledge. That, of course, started over a lazy boy chair. So it started over the lazy boy and then it turned into a prank war, which stopped when Mouch came to 51. So he's like, he needs a firm reminder that you just don't mess with Randall McCollin ever. And it's just from there, it just goes back and forth with the prank. I was really surprised that Casey just kind of went along with it and didn't try to squash it. I know, but it was also kind of amazing too. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty great. It was pretty great. So Mouch starts it off takes things to the next level he changes the zero the zero in the 40 sign he changes it to a donut and puts up an extra sign that says rutledge's house of donuts and so 
Casey's like sitting on the fire truck just watching from a distance like <laughs> funny and Blake and Stella are helping him like it's it was so perfect so and I also love too how Granger comes out and is like you expect Granger would be like yelling at them and all he's like move it to the left <laughs> it's so good Oh, so good. And so Mouch takes a picture of Rutledge to post on social media. I love, love, loved when he looked at Gallo and Stella. He was like, is that good? And Blake's like, yeah. And then you just hit that button to post. So good. So good. So good. So then Rutledge gets Mouch back by putting up a digital billboard outside of 51 with Mouch's face on a dancing elf that says free donuts. Amazing. This is perfect. Because then... That's happening. We get the little image of like Elf Mouch and Trudy just like emerges from the darkness and she just goes, you don't dance like that for me, baby. And Mouch just goes, all you got to do is ask. What? It, it's literally the best. We haven't had a plouch scene in so long and it, I, I'm okay now. Like I, yeah. It was so perfect. And I love the way Plout just kind of came out of nowhere. Oh my God. It's amazing. So funny. So then Mouch brainstorms how to get back at him. He brainstorms it with our favorite millennials, Gallo and Ritter. And Ritter's like, well, what if we stuff donuts with mayonnaise? Which I liked that idea. I was like, that's actually pretty good. But they end up back at 40. Um, but again, Casey and Stella watch from the truck. And Mouch gets a dump truck to pile day-old donuts outside of the firehouse. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. But then... Rutledge gets the last laugh because a helicopter drops donuts outside of 51 while Rutledge and 40 looks on. And so Mouch waves the white flag and he's just like, yeah, it's not over yet. But I thought it was hilarious. The pictures everybody was posting that they couldn't post until the episode aired. Oh, my God. They're so good. They're so good. Did you see the one Adrian posted where she was like, get you friends. We're going to gas you up like Alberto and Joe. I love it. Yeah. And then you just hear them going, yes, yes. (laughs) But honestly, all I was thinking about was, like, she just looks so freaking flawless in those photos. And I was just like... Adrienne is so gorgeous. She's so pretty. All the time. It's ridiculous. What was the one? She posted something a couple weeks ago where, like, she was just wearing, like, a hoodie and sweats. And we were like, she looks so gorgeous. It's ridiculous. She's so pretty. It, yeah, it's unfair. Um, but I thought that B story was just so it, that's probably one of the best ones that might even slot in at number two underneath Kruzumba. Yeah, I mean, this was amazing. Yeah. And I want to see another like Mount says it's not over yet. I need to see 40 again. I need to see this thing continue. Like I, I just need it. We're gonna see Granger again. Yeah, I know. We will. We, we will. will indeed. So we will see. We will see. So Our last bit for fire, our actual last bit. I can't believe I almost skipped over them. I'm terrible. Um, Shame on me because they were so freaking cute. Um, It's Gallo and Gianna. Precious, precious little babies. I know. I know. I'm terrible. Bryna, take it away. Okay. So there's not like a ton here, but enough that we had to give them their own section. Um, So basically they're on their way out of a shift and Gianna's like making a comment to Ritter and Gallo about how one of her kids could give Gallo a lesson in pranking. And so she like walks away. She, you know, she doesn't really think anything of what she just said. And Gallo and Ritter are like, wait, did she just say she has kids? <laughs> and they're like freaking out. And so next shift, Ritter's like, uh, says to Gallo, he's like, 
are you gonna ask her if she's gonna if, about her kids and gal is like no 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 and then he's like well you should ask cruz and gal is like where cruz is concerned i can express no interest around in gianna mackie and ritter's like yeah yeah sounds right which so i just cute. love them that's like my favorite honestly running joke of this whole season is like Cruz turning down Gallo when it comes to Mackie. Like <laughs> I love that little bit. Um, so then fifty one and sixty one get called like they get called to this explosion at the construction site and there's not really much to it. I mean like Gallo saves Gianna's life and that's like really all you need to know. <laughs> he does like the dramatic like the dramatic Mackie followed by like the slide in the cover as the explosion goes off. Yeah, and you know, saves her life. Adorable. So then we're back at 51 and Cruz is thanking Gallo in the locker room for, you know, saving her life. And he's like, you know, Mackie's special. Like, thank you for looking out for her. And then there's an awkward moment. Um, where, well, no, first Gallo asks him, like, whether Gianna's off limits. And Cruz is like, yeah, no. Then Gallo also decides to bring up Gianna's kid comment to her face. Um, and he's finds out that her parents run daycare for neighborhood kids like that's why she said that she doesn't actually have kids her own and i love how she's like i'm not a mom at least i don't think so (laughs) um and then cruz like laughs as he walks away he's like yeah i got nothing to worry about (laughs) so cute Uh, i just i love them they're so cute um but yeah that's that so megan said mallow is giving me major dossie vibes that save gave me so much deja vu um, I was surprised that they didn't have after save sex. <laughs> after save sex. Thank God we're alive sex. Um, looking forward to what the writers do with them in the future. I personally cannot wait for their first kiss. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. And I don't want it to be fun and flirty like Mansell's hook up there. I, I I want that to be like super sweet and like. Maybe kind of awkward, but yeah. But perfect at the same time. Again. The Mallow... What is Gallo and Violet's ship name? Did they have a ship name? They had one. Um, it wasn't Vilo. It was... Anyway. Yeah. Whatever that triangle, I am here for it because, like, I... Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm here for a triangle, but, like... Because, like, don't make me pick. I love all three. I know, but he can't be with both of them. I mean, I guess he could, but I like mean, he can't be with both of them. Maybe. No, I don't know. So we're going to have to pick at some point. I don't want to. They're so cute. I know. I don't either. But I hope their first kiss is adorable and perfect. Yeah. 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 So any other thoughts on fire? No. Good episode. Good episode. Very good episode. All right. Moving into PD. PD. Oh my god. Okay, I came into PD. I, I felt attacked by PD, okay? Because I was thinking that this was going to be like an easy, just like, here's the case. Here's, you know, some post-mortem Upstead stuff. I did not think we were going to start with some Upstead sexy time. Oh, but aren't you glad we did? I'm so glad we did. Oh my god, the best way to start an episode. Oh my god. The, the biggest takeaway that I got from this Upstead sexy time is that they are so happy yeah, like the way Haley's smiling in this whole scene is amazing. They're so happy, which like yeah. we never see Jay happy. I didn't. I mean, I saw it in this scene too, but the scene later on when he's like 
smiling her at her as she goes to the hospital, I was like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this first sexy time scene, like, it's just the details. Like, okay, the, the smiles are one thing. When she rolls over to get the phone and he kisses her shoulder, mm-hmm. I, it's so tiny, but also, like, I die. Yeah, I, it's amazing. Oh, my God. Just it's so good. So perfect. They're just magical. Hashtag blessed. Perfect. Wonderful. Like party horn. <sighs> so then Haley checks her phone. And this is after like, so so he, he does the whole kiss on the shoulder thing, which is like super hot. And then it's like the hand on the hip. Like all of it is just so hot. <laughs> I don't know. But the texts and the calls are from Haley's mom. It turns out Haley's dad is at med because he had a heart attack. And so Jay is like, I'll drive you to med. Like, let's go. Let's go. And on the way there, they get a call for a case. And so Haley's like, I'll go see him later. And Jay's just like, huh? Oh, oh, okay. All right. And even after they get to the scene, Jay is like, you're sure you don't want to go to med? And she's like, I'll go later. Like, it's fine. Don't worry. And the minute that that happened and she was like, I'll go later. I was like, oh, Jay is going to spend this whole episode projecting. 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 Yep. So then in the kitchen later, Jay asks Haley about her dad and apparently he needs bypass surgery. And she's like, you know, I might go see him tomorrow. And Jay's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But like, if you don't, you're going to carry it with you for the rest of your life. The more time that she spent putting it off, the more anxiety I had, because I was like, oh, God, I was like, dads on the show have such bad rates of survival. Like, please don't, Haley. Like, you're like, Jay is right in that instance. Like, you're 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 going to hurt. You're, you're going to kick yourself for it. Yeah, I mean, he even says, he's like, don't do it for him. Like, do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you also know that, okay, Jay's projecting is twofold, right? A, because he's been through it before. But B, his last interaction with his dad was calling him a thankless prick. Yeah. yeah. That was what I was thinking of as soon as everything was happening. was like, well, Jay's got his feelings about this because mm-hmm. he, the way his father died is not, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he obviously cares about her, but also, you know, he. Well, and, yeah, and, for sure. It's two sided. Yeah. And because he cares about her, he doesn't want her to feel the same way that he felt when his dad died. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah for sure. So this guy, Zach, they're questioning him. And while that's happening, Jay gives this speech about how sometimes people make mistakes, but good people forgive them. So in case any of you have forgotten, Haley's father was abusive. He was an alcoholic. He was drunk. He was very, very abusive. So just in case anybody forgot. But Jay just says, like, you know, sometimes people make mistakes, but good people forgive them. He gives this speech and and it triggers Haley. Your speech. Good people know that people are flawed, that they do stupid things sometimes. Haley, I wasn't talking about you. I'm talking about Zach. I know who your father is and that he was abusive. You don't know the half of it. No, you're right. I don't. I'm sorry. You know I'm on your side. I'm just trying to help. I don't want your help. Not with this. You can see in her face when they're in that interrogation room, the minute he says that her face changes. So, I mean, it triggers her. I don't think she means to be like super defensive with Jay, but, you know. She is super defensive with Jay. She is super defensive with Jay. Yeah, because she she basically thinks that he's talking about her dad. And he's like, he's such a, he's so good about it, too. He handles this so well because he's like, I wasn't talking about you. Like, I know, I know who your dad is. I know he's abusive. And she's like, you don't know the half of it. And then. But I think thing too of that the scene really illustrated is like they've kind of gone from like I mean their lines have been blurred for a long time and like what they actually were like 
partners, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. But, like, they kind of went from being partners professionally to, like, partners romantically in, like, from zero to a hundred. And now they're dealing with this thing and they haven't really probably even talked about what are they? Like, are they even boyfriend or girlfriend? And all of a sudden they're dealing with this, like, really heavy shit. And it just really illustrated that. That's a great point, too, because if they hadn't hooked up in the last episode, I don't know if Jay would have immediately been like, if you don't go see your dad, like, you're going to regret this, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if he would have done that. I think he would have been there for her, yeah, but I don't know if he does that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't know if he says, you know, does she take offense to what he said to Zach in this scene? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I think it changes because they just hooked up. And are, I mean, I guess they're boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't know. Nobody knows. Who knows? But yeah. Yeah. Lines are definitely blurred. It, yeah. It adds a different dynamic for sure. Big time. Big time. So Haley gets another text saying that they moved her dad's surgery to tonight. And Jay's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. And she just says, like, I'm going tonight. It's fine. I'm going. And she goes, but she doesn't talk to her dad. She just, like, she sees him through the window and then she leaves. And as she's leaving, I mean, she's, like, she's crying because, you know, it's a lot. And so it ends with Jay going to Haley's house and she she kind of lies to him. And she's like, yeah, I'm glad I talked to him. And it just she ends. She kind of lies. Well, okay, so... I know, and I, we got a lot of tweets about this. People were like, oh my God, Haley lied to Jay. This is so bad. The relationship's getting off to such a bad point. Maybe not. Maybe not. This is Haley's trauma, right? Yes. This is solely her trauma. She's the one who endured it. She's the one who has placed the boundaries. You know, we don't know specifically what her dad put her through growing up. So if she feels like keeping that boundary in place is what's best for her, then Jay has no say. Right. I agree with everything you said. But she lied. She, the point is, she still lied to Jay. And I don't think this is, like, the end of their relationship at all. Like, I don't think this is, like, really maybe even that big of a deal. But she did, like, lie to him. She literally said, she's like, yeah, I'm glad I talked to him. And I, from what we know, <laughs> she didn't talk to him. I think she might have done that because maybe she, it might be really traumatic for her to talk about. And she probably didn't want to get into all of it of just like, even even if he was going to put up a fight and be like, why didn't you talk to him? She probably didn't want to do that. But I think if she had just said that, Jay wouldn't have said anything. And he would have been like, oh, okay. Hmm. True. I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I have a hard time believing that if she says, yeah, I got there, but I couldn't do it. It's just too hard that Jay's going to be like, no, you still should have done it. I don't think Jay does that at all. I think Jay is like, oh, okay. I'm just, I'm not too worried about it. I'm just not, you know. Yeah, I'm not necessarily worried about it, but, like, she did lie to him. She says she talked to her dad. She did not talk to her dad. Yeah, but it's not like she, like, it's nothing malicious. It's it's a self-preservation thing, which seems to be, like, the recurring theme with Upstead. Right. No, I agree. But then also... I don't know. This is way too early in their relationship to start getting, like, super deep and, like... But is it, though? Yes. I don't know. they've technically only been together for one episode. 
Yeah, but this is like, like okay, the, the guy I dated before I, my, I, before my current boyfriend, this was like 10 years ago, so I can talk about it. We had two years of a friendship built up before we started dating. So like we had that foundation going on. So I think it's the same thing with Haley and Jay is that they've got a solid foundation. Right. I'm talking about scrutinizing their romantic relationship, though. I mean, it's uncharted territory for them. I don't know. I just feel like they're fine. That nothing's going to go crazy and rock the boat. And if it does, then maybe they shouldn't be together. Like, I don't, you know. And this was the other thing that got me during this whole episode that was absolutely killing me with feelings is that as this went on, the more Jay was talking to her and the more Jay was like, you know, being boyfriend Jay, which we don't know if they're boyfriend and girlfriend, but whatever. The more he was being like such a good boyfriend to her, the more I was like, oh my God, this is like the second chance at Linstead, but just older and wiser Jay. Like, Jay's older and wiser this time, and he's just got that wisdom on his side. Yeah. The fact that he was basically telling Haley, he's like, no, you're right. I don't know your trauma. I'm sorry. And he backed down. I was like, oh, mm, mm, this is older, wiser Jay. Can we talk about something really important, though? Absolutely. Haley's apartment. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> she moved. Yes. Uh, is this not her same and this obviously is probably it is because of the set but is this not her apartment that she lived in when she was undercover that one time i don't think it's that apartment okay it it just kind of looked familiar but yes Haley has moved and downsized and downgraded clearly yes yes i was gonna point that out too because when she lived with rojas she was definitely in a house no, but even before Rojas was in the picture, remember that one time that Jay comes over and then Adam comes over and it's like really awkward? Yeah, remember with that, that ridiculously sweet kitchen that had steps leading to it? Yes. That yeah. is even before Rojas. Yes. Where is that scene? She probably, Where is that house? She probably downgraded because she realized she was paying way too much. I mean, damn. But yeah, she downgraded like big time. Significantly. Yeah. Yes. I noticed mm -hmm. that too. I definitely okay. noticed that too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, Jennifer sent us something and she said, Jay knows Haley too well to know that she actually spoke to him, though. I don't know if I agree with that, though, because Haley, we know Haley can read Jay like a book. I don't know if Jay can do the same with Haley. Not yet. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it also really just depends, too, on, like, how big of an issue is this going to be on PD? Like, are we even going to hear about this again? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. Also, how awkward was that ending? She was like, I'm glad I talked to him. And then it was like, screen went black. It was really awkward. It was weird. Um, I also, I mean, I'd say I kind of agree only because we haven't seen it. Like, we've seen Haley really kind of no jay in and out backwards and forwards like a lot but i feel like we haven't really seen jay really like analyze Haley that much except for maybe like that one time Haley went undercover right and now now yeah yeah so, i don't know i'm not saying he doesn't but like i just think we haven't seen it yeah yeah so um, Zach said, I'm glad that Haley and Jay have found their way to each other. It took some time, but damn, was it worth it? Uh, yeah. Amen to that. Hopefully things go well for Haley with her father and that Jay can do all that he can to be there for her. Yes. Yes, definitely. 
Um, Catherine said, I understand Haley so much. It's not easy to be around your abuser to face your traumas. Actually, those are like the hardest things ever. So for me, the fact that Haley got to the hospital and saw him just through the window is a big thing. Almost like she was making sure he was fine. But honestly, like you tweeted earlier, um, one Chicago. One Chicago has a bad wreck. Re- I took me a second. I was like, the OC. What does that have to do with? One Chicago has a bad record when a dad is involved. So maybe I'm guessing he's going to die at some point. Uh, maybe when it's Haley's episode again. And we'll have to deal with Haley shutting Jay out. And eventually they break up. Ooh. Ooh, you are way ahead. I mean, it's going to happen. It's TV. But, like, yes. Yikes. Anyway. So Jessica said, Pat Halstead died before Jay could fix things with him, and that clearly will always haunt him a little bit. So I absolutely understand where he's coming from, and I think he really was trying to help Haley when he said that she might regret not seeing her father. But at the same time, Haley is not Jay, and her relationship with her father is not the same as his. I don't think it's that different, though. I still, I stand by my theory that Pat was abusive. But, like, we don't know that, and so, like, and even regardless, even if you said yes, okay, Pat is abusive, that doesn't mean it, it's not the same. Like, yes, they're the same, but it's still not the same. Yeah. So she says, I think we all know Pat was not a great father, but I don't think we ever got confirmation that he was abusive the same way we know Haley's father was. I still think he was. I still think he was. Um, and I think she really didn't go to the, or she did go to the hospital intending to talk to him, but ultimately decided not to. Maybe she'll change her mind one day or maybe she won't. But that is her and her decision to make. And I think there's a really strong message there about not putting the onus on the abuse victim to forgive their abuser. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Maybe Jay wishes he could go back and work things out with his father before he died. But that doesn't mean Haley needs or wants to do the same. What brings Jay comfort is not what brings Haley comfort. And I think that's okay. Uh, Louder for the people in the back. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but I don't think Haley was ready to explain that or that Jay was really ready to hear it. And that's why she lied. I hope she does come clean soon and that they can understand each other's perspectives, though. That's so well put. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Although I don't know if I necessarily agree with the fact that Jay maybe wasn't really ready to hear it. Um, but I agree with everything else. Yeah. Yeah. But I do like how they pointed that out a couple times when they would talk about people making mistakes and like forgiveness and things, how Haley was like, fuck that. No. So I thought that was good. Um, okay. So Alyssa said, I'm curious on your guys' take on the final scene. I saw someone on Instagram mention that they took it as Jay knew Haley was lying and chose to stay silent to let her process things and tell him more when she's ready. I took it at face value and interpreted it as Haley lying to Jay. If the latter is the case, I'm dreading the possible repercussions from this, and I hope Haley comes clean soon before it weighs too heavily on her or Jay finds out some other way. I'm just not worried about it. I, I think I think this was a trauma response from her. If it was something to worry about and we got it in literally the first episode that Upset's been together, then, like, oh, man, we're in for a rough ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's not cool. Not but also, cool. Don't, don't forget how similar Jay and Haley are to each other, right? Like, they, they bury their pain. They don't really talk about it. They bury it. So I, I, think, I think this was just Haley hiding it from him. And I think that... Part of that might have even been, and, and especially going back to the scene when she's like, you don't even know the half of it. And then she was like, I don't want your help. I wonder if she's worried that if she finds out more about it, that Jay is like, she's worried how Jay is going to perceive her. I don't know. I don't know. I it, I think the thing that bugs me about this whole thing, too, is that like next week we know is going to be a Berserk episode. 
So I don't feel like we're going to really get any upset conclusion to this. Like, who knows when we'll actually, like, see more of this resolution. Right. right. And that's really the thing that bugs me about the way that PD does their episodes. Yeah, it, it definitely irks me that we spent the two, the first two episodes of the season with really heavy, substantial, important Atwater stuff. And the past two episodes, he's been shoved to the side. Yep. Yep. Ben probably will, looks like, for the next two. Not, no, not cool. Not cool. Like, not even a mention. Not even a mention. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, you want to read Beth's? Uh, Sure, yeah. Um, so Beth said, I just wanted to say as someone who's been in a similar position to Haley before, I think the writers were pretty spot on with what she was going through the entire time, especially with Jay's speech that made her cry. It reminded me of times where people say something trying to help or not even directly about what you're going through, but it brings up real emotions from really horrible memories. It was good. I know the episode ended sort of weird, but I can see why she lied. I don't think she was trying to be mean or rude. I think she was trying to protect herself from feeling all of those emotions again. And it did seem like she let out as she left her dad at the hospital. Yes. Like she didn't want to reopen the wound. I just think it would be cool if you acknowledge that. Yeah, it was a weird ending, but it was not unrealistic. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was purely a trauma response. I think she just didn't want to unload that bag. Yeah. Uh, Casey said in regards to the ending scene, I'm pretty sure that Haley knows that Jay knows that she's lying and does just doesn't want to talk about it right now. I don't think we have any reason to worry about the relationship because they built such a good partnership that they know how to talk to each other. Yeah. 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 So, And Samantha said, why is it that characters in One Chicago seem to think it's okay to lie to their partner when they're in a relationship? Oh, my God. That's such a good question. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. I get that Haley didn't just didn't want Jay pestering her about her father anymore, but she has to understand where he's coming from. Jay's dad died when they weren't on the best of terms, and I think he regrets how they left things. I think he regrets that he didn't get to say goodbye to his dad and that he spent the last moments of his dad's life hating him, and he doesn't want the same thing to happen to Haley. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's fair. It's fair. So. Upstead, man. It was mm-hmm. such an upset heavy episode. I loved it. I did too. Yeah. It's good. So um, if we talk about the case, I mean, we don't have to get like too in depth, but I think this, this episode was well executed case wise. Mm-hmm. It took me rewatching it though. We were just having this conversation before we started recording how like it's crazy, especially because it airs here at 10 PM. I'm on the East coast. Gina's in central time. And like by 10 PM, I'm just like dead. Like, it takes, I understand what happened. Like, I understood all the upset stuff. That, I got that. But when it comes to the case and trying to keep up with the details of the case, at 10 p.m. and when there's commercials, I just can't do it. But I watched it at, like, 6 a.m. in the morning when I'm, like, have slept. And I'm like, I understood everything of that. And that's a great case. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I felt with this one. Same. I um, I mean, you guys all saw my, my Chicago PD Bridgerton video that I just couldn't resist. I had to make it. Um, and I was definitely not paying attention to the case in the episode. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, my God, this was so good. Like, so, mm-hmm. so good. And in our group chat last night, we were even talking about that. We all, Once PD was over, we were like, I have no fucking clue what happened. Yeah, everyone was like, I was just, and I think the whole fandom, too, was like, yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch that because all I know is uh, Upstead. Yeah, just Upstead. I don't know. So basically, there's there's a cop that's murdered. His name's Mike Blaine. And there's a lot of twists and turns here. Like, we think that it's one guy, but his alibi checks out. And then we think it's this pro- this guy who the officer arrested at a protest. 
And this kid, Zach, he's like a graphic designer or something. And he's kind of a dick, but the Mike arrested him at a protest. And the Zach kid is like, I'm not going to cooperate. Like, I hate cops. I'm not doing it. Um, and so, but, but also he was like stalking this, this officer while this was happening. He was just kind of like, I, well, I didn't shoot him, but I'm not going to help you either. The fuck? Mm-hmm. So it takes a turn because they find, they find the murder weapon. Upstead finds the murder weapon and it's this gun that's registered to this woman. And they go find the woman and the woman's like, I'm not, I would never do that. Like he, he saved my life. I would never do that to that, that, that officer. And so they go back to Zach to get him to help. And Zach's like, yeah, I'm still not helping. This car pulls up and tries to kill Zach. And Upton is the one who saves the day. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So while that is happening, Voight finds out from Blaine's wife that CPD doesn't want to pay for a full funeral. And Platt is like, yeah, IAD is looking into the murder. Like, they want to catch him dirty. Voight knew this cop is, is the whole thing. But the thing that kills me about this scene is, like, the irony of the fact that in, in the bullpen of the 21st, like, when you walk into the 21st, there's a sign on the wall that's like, wear a mask. Nobody in the damn district is wearing a mask. Nope. Nope. No mask to be seen. None. Not a one. Nope. No. Nope. None. So, uh, yeah. And so when they start to, like, because it, it, it evolves as, like, this kind of, like, suspicious case, right? They're like, oh, there's text messages. Oh, there's this money being exchanged. It's all suspicious. It's an interesting note that nobody wants to tell that to Voight. Yeah, like, it's kind of interesting that first that everyone's like, we don't want to tell Voight this. And how they were, like, looking at each other, like, you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. And Voight's like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) But, like, is that, is that, that's, like, kind of worrisome that, like, they don't want to tell their boss something like that. I think because they know that he's going to try to, like, throw it out. Or in the past, he would have been like, yeah, no, we're not going to... Anything that's bad, like, no, we're not going to include that. Yikes. Yeah, and there is the video of him exchanging... Or he's getting money from this guy who was, like, the first sub- or the first suspect. And he waits until everybody leaves before Voight looks at Ruzik. And he's like, let's just keep that off book for now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so the Zach guy, they try to kill him. Upton saves the day. Because, of course... Um, and so when Upstead is there after after they save the day, they get him back in for questioning and he still won't help them. And Jay is just like boyfriend mode 3000 since we're making Marvel references tonight. Um, he's just yeah. So he, it's pretty great. Zach, she just saved your life. Without this woman with the, this, this evil cop right here, you'd be dead. You get that, right? Yeah, this Zach guy's a dick. Mm-hmm. 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 So if we backtrack a little bit, when Platt is like, hey, they opened an IED investigation, Voight goes to Samantha and is like, the fuck? Like, what the hell? And they're Samantha makes good arguments. She's like, listen, people want me to make a slain hero speech. Like, I, I need to know who he was. Like, mm-hmm. all of these circumstances are super suspicious. I need to know who this guy is. And so Voight's not happy, but he's like, fine. Um, which in past seasons, he probably would have pulled a Voight and been like, fuck that noise. He's perfect. He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Mm. So 
Um, but once once it all gets sorted out, we we find out that he was he was trying to help this domestic violence victim. She was a victim of domestic violence, and her ex boyfriend is the one who killed him because Blaine was trying to help this woman. And so it's the ex boyfriend who did it. And so at the end, there's a really poignant scene here where Voight takes everything to Miller, and he's like, "You want a transparency? That's what I've got." You know, there was a time we actually forgave people for their mistakes. He understood that, that human beings are fallible. So you look at, at the sum of the parts, does the good outweigh the bad? I see Hank's point here, but the more that, the more episodes we see and the more they start to paint these pictures, I think what we're learning is that everything depends on the circumstances. There's really no blanket rule. Mm-hmm. Because in this instance, I'm like, yeah, I'm totally okay with the fact that he, like, borrowed money from a felon. He was trying to save a woman who was a domestic violence victim. Yeah. And I think even, too, that's, like, further illustrated with, like, the Zach history with Mike Blaine. And, you know, how that's, like, one instance of police brutality, but that, or, you know, police brutality. Um, but then you have this. And, yeah, I definitely think that was the point of this episode. Yeah, I, I wasn't crazy about what Void said when he was like, you know, we, you look at the sum of the parts, like does the good outweigh the bad? It doesn't apply in every instance. I look at USA Gymnastics and the shit they did. And, you know, yeah, the girls won medals, but now they are trauma survivors and they're in therapy. And there was a point in time where Michaela Maroney was suicidal. Like, right. I don't think the good outweighs the bad in that instance. I like what uh, Miller had to say in her speech in the end. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, it's important to acknowledge that we don't always get it right. The Chicago Police Department is not flawless. We've made mistakes. We've committed some unforgivable acts, but those misdeeds, no matter how egregious, should not define us, but rather motivate us to be more complete, compassionate human beings and police officers. Yeah. I like that a whole lot more than what I was saying. Yeah, I I think I think she definitely made a good point. But yeah, it's definitely if if we learn anything from this episode, it's that, you know, every single instance, every single case is different. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, the I I can't even remember the name of the officer who put his knee on George Floyd's neck. But I I don't care if, you know, he was on his way to curing cancer. What he did that day defines who he is as a human. It's case by case. Right. So. I don't know. Any other notes on PD? What do you think? No, it was a good, good, good episode. It's a really, really good episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, any other notes on any of the other episodes? Anything else? Did we miss something? I'm sure I, we did. I'm sure we did, because it's been a long time. Man. It's been a long episode. So, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Tumblr for real this time, because we're actually using it. I know great. Gina put up a Mansell gift set last night, and it is amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying my newfound power of gift making. I'm like drunk with power. I'm like, it's great. Um, yeah, it's meet us at Molly's right across the board, all social media. Um, send us an email anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Anytime, anything. You guys, you don't have to apologize for sending us long emails ever. No, we love them. We love them. We love them. You never have to apologize for sending us a long email. We love it. So meet us at mollys at gmail.com. You can talk to us about anything, other television shows we're watching. Um, you know, I'm still binging Alias. The bold type got renewed yesterday. For six more seasons, yeah. 
Wait, no, for the last for season. Six more season, six more episodes. <laughs> I was like, wait, what got six more seasons? I need to start that no. show. Six episodes. I was thinking six, but I meant episodes. <laughs> So yeah, um, talk to us about anything, anytime. If you like the show, which we really hope you do, you could take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That would be so great. You guys have been awesome about that. Thank you so much. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. Barring anything ridiculous happening in the country, we're on a normal schedule. Yes. There is new episodes next week. There's new episodes next week. Oh, my God. We're so excited. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you. So in the meantime, wear your mask. Don't be like Sydney on Chicago Fire. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Check on other people. Be kind. Just, you know, stay safe, you guys. Stay safe. So have a good weekend, and we will see you next week. Bye.